0: Welcome to Dreamland, a program dedicated to an examination of areas in the human experience not easily nor neatly put in a box. Things seen at the edge of vision, awakening a part of the mind as yet not mapped, and yet things every bit as real as the air we breathe but don't see. This is Dreamland. From the high desert, it's Sunday evening and it's another Dreamland. Good evening, everybody. I'm Bell. We um, are going to go exploring about the possibility of a life after this life, and after the next life, and before this life, and before that life. (laughs) Dr. Bruce Goldberg is going to be our guest uh, this morning on Dreamland. Uh, This morning, this evening. This evening. I guess in some areas I'll be right. This will be replayed, and it'll be morning. At any rate, it's awfully good to be here. Going back uh, east now, as we always do, our weekly reporter, the uh, much-renowned Linda Howe. And um, so back now to Philadelphia, and Linda Howe. Linda, good evening. Uh, he says, hi, Linda. Yes, hi. Can
1: you, hear, can you hear me all right? I hear
0: you just fine.
1: Okay. Okay. I thought that I would start tonight uh updating that extraordinary story of the seventeen hundred missing cattle from Warica, Oklahoma. Friday I talked with both the sheriff and with the president of First Farmer National Bank there. Uh the first uh hard piece of data is that mister Richardson's uh cattle have four distinct brands and so far as of Friday None of those brands have shown up in any sale barns, which was one of the investigations by the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association in uh, Fort Worth. They sent investigators between Texas, Oklahoma, and other states looking for these brands in the event that they had been stolen for resale. That's
0: kind of the equivalent of the police going to pawn shops after a big burglary.
1: Exactly. Now, uh, the president of the bank said, told me that he knows in his bank that he holds many invoices of cattle purchases by the rancher, Mr. Richardson, that would be equivalent uh, to this number of animals, and he said that uh, Mr. Richardson has been a rancher for 30 years and has uh, developed a style of matching cows with their newborns as pairs and then selling the cow and that calf, and that is his business. And that of the 1,700, they were divided evenly between cows and their calves. Uh, the sheriff did confirm it would have taken at least 25 double trailer trucks to have moved that many animals, and his problem is that they have not been able to come up with any evidence whatsoever that any kind of truck activity occurred in La Rica, and the sheriff is doubly puzzled because they have not been able to find evidence that there were that many uh, cattle in this particular pasture, but there are mixed uh, data on that. Uh, the banker says that he has uh, seen uh, the number of cattle uh, that the rancher had reported uh, or some form thereof, and... As of Friday, this remains a mystery, and I learned two other details. Two other ranchers in Waika, Oklahoma, since the spring have respectively lost approximately twenty-five head of their animals, and they were reported to the bank, but they were not. Uh, uh, they did not go into this kind of headline news. Uh, the assumption was that maybe they were rustled, but as of Friday. Those cases had never been solved either, and those brands had never showed up in any of the sale barns. So as of this Labor Day weekend, the uh, 1,700 animals are still a mystery at the sheriff's office and at the bank and Mr. Richardson's residence in Warico, Oklahoma.
0: How could possibly that number of cattle just disappear?
1: extraordinary, isn't it? Yes. And I kept thinking as I was talking with these people, and we were sticking just with the facts, but I could not help thinking about that interview that I did uh, with one of our Dreamland uh, listeners who wrote me uh, this summer about finding the uh, mutilated animal out in Sand Springs, Oregon, in a kind of depression in the ground with ear-missing, eye-missing, tongue, genitals, and rectum cord out, and having that cow hint. Say to him, Well, I've seen these big white lights come at night and send down beams of light over these cattle, and I've watched these cattle rise in these beams of light, and then I've heard the cattle be dropped down to the ground.
0: All right, Linda, um, I know that um, I, I got a newspaper article from uh, uh, New Mexico which talks about the incredible number of cattle mutilations there. In fact, the newspaper locally is calling for an investigation. And I know you've been reporting a lot of what's going on down there. Right. You are going out there,
1: aren't you? Yes, and next Sunday I'll be reporting uh, from New Mexico, and I will be talking with uh, several of the veterinarians and the ranchers and others that have been working with us on these cases that I have been giving updates on now since May 14th when we had two steers found at either end of a lake about two miles apart and Dr. John Altshuler in Denver flew down to meet a veterinarian, Tim Johnson from Taos and they did uh, tissue excisions and necropsies of those animals right in the field. I have videotape of it. And in both of those steers, under the microscope, the tissue has been cut with something hot enough to cook the hemoglobin. Boy. So it is it is continuing to be a uh, an, an intense flurry of mutilations in northern New Mexico, and there's been a host of uh, light, moving light, unidentified light sightings in southern Colorado. So who knows what I'm going to run into. But on this Labor Day weekend, as we are headed into the last quarter of 1994, I thought it would be valuable to go back to one of the most credible multiple eyewitness reports of unidentified aerial objects this entire year to date. It was March 8th, around 9.30 p.m. in Michigan. Dozens of 911 calls were being made to the police department in Holland City, Michigan. The police dispatcher recorded the calls and then phoned a National Weather Service radar operator to see if he could confirm the presence of anything in the sky. I have an audio tape dub from the unaltered master tape at the police department in Holland City, Michigan. First, I would like you to hear one of the very first callers who describes a circle of lights
0: direct from the PD up there I
1: guess
2: have you heard anything about these lights that are flickering up here in the
1: what is it the east, east southeast area the stream of Christmas lights are- to play for you.
0: That was obviously, uh, Linda, as the sighting was going on, that was pretty exciting.
1: Well, yes, and it goes on. That this tape has many of the eyewitnesses, and now I'm going to play an excerpt from the conversation between the Holland City, Michigan police dispatcher and the radar operator who is seeing three and four objects on his radar screen between 6,000 and 12,000 feet elevation, Moving in a triangular formation, estimated to be 25 miles from end to end, and moving at enormous speed.
0: Wow. All right. Go ahead. Once again, with our new audio system. I think it's coming up. Coming up anyway. Yeah.
2: the people that called that I had to happened to talk to said it looked like a bunch of cylindrical objects well, oh they my were, god what is that they were going together and coming apart yeah well it's, it's
0: back of your neck nothing will
1: that's right and after this march 8 1994 reports by dozens of michigan residents a policy of no comment ensued at the national weather service office which is a federally funded agency under the department of commerce as always are the question is raised what does someone in the united states government know about this phenomenon that it does not want to share with us the public That question has been important since the 1940s, and now, 50 years later, is still unanswered. And I guess that's at the heart of why we do Dreamland.
0: I guess it is, Linda. uh, That's one of the best uh, prepared presentations of a sighting I've ever heard. I mean, you've got the actual eyewitness screaming it to the police. Then you've got the uh, radar operators confirming it.
1: That's right. And you remember him saying... He had never seen anything like this before during his weather radar experience, and these were solid spikes, this was not something that he was confusing at all with weather. Uh,
0: And his line, they're beginning to spike, this is not weather, these are solid objects.
1: That's right. And think about staying um, in the other parts of the tape, which we don't have time to go into, as these are moving across the scope, you know how the scope, the hand sweeps around. They were moving at such a rapid rate, and yet they were going in and out, in and out of this maintained triangular formation.
0: What are the odds of getting a copy of some of that, Linda?
1: In terms of, uh, you mean more of it?
0: Well, an audio copy of it. Is there any chance you might get me an audio copy of what you've got? Yeah. I would really appreciate that.
1: And, And then you might be able to use it further.
0: You can depend on that.
1: All right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would very much appreciate a copy of that. And uh, uh, Linda, one more one more item. Um, gee, that was exciting. Um, the other item is that tape which I had sent to you. Yes. Um, Linda, I've obtained thirty five millimeter photographs of this creature uh, from Puerto Rico. Right and i'm going to have them scanned and put up on uh... internet so everybody can get hold of them i know that you have now seen the videotape and i talked with you a little while ago Right? is that anything you recognize
1: No. Um, and uh... as i explained to you i am going to show this videotape and the uh... photos that i have uh... to a zoologist at uh... The university one of the big universities here and i will see what Scientific comment there is, and hopefully do it as an audio cassette interview. And uh, if there is any story here, I'll report it on an upcoming Dreamland in the next few weeks.
0: All right, I will look forward to it. Uh, sounds like your plate is full, and you're off to New Mexico. When yes. do you When do you actually leave, Linda?
1: I will leave Wednesday, and uh, by next Sunday, uh, hopefully, I will have uh, some. Uh, I think, some very interesting eyewitness reports, as well as, we hope, some more information back from the uh, veterinarian pathologists who have been studying the most recent animals. And for those uh, listeners who are not up to date, uh, Eli Ronich, who I have interviewed and have done updates on the continuing uh, uh, loss of his animals to the strange phenomenon, had his, uh, up to his 15th mutilation this past week. And another rancher not far from his ranch is, has had two and a mysterious death of a third animal, uh, bringing the total of rancher um, the mutilations in that Angel Fire, Espanola area of uh, New Mexico up around Taos since May 14th uh, to um, at least seven cases that we've worked on and we've heard that half a dozen other ranchers have had mutilations which they have not reported. So. Uh, this is equivalent to the phenomenon last year in Alabama that my new documentary, Strange Harvest 1993, is about, when they had over 30 reports of animal mutilations in northeastern Alabama in a short period of time also.
0: Okay, I know you're um, you're very busy, Linda, but if you could possibly get that tape off to me uh, before you take off for New Mexico, I sure would appreciate it. All right. All right, and the uh, the other thing is, Linda, a lot of people here... Uh, listening to this program would like to write to you. So yes. take a deep breath and give us your address slowly.
1: Okay. It is Linda Howe, H-O-W-E at Post Office Box 538 in Huntingdon Valley, Pennsylvania. English spelling: H-U-N-T-I-N-G-D is in dog. O-N Huntingdon Valley, Pennsylvania, and the zip code is one. 1- and for those of you who have faxes, I'm happy to also get faxes at area code 215 491
0: Wonderful. Linda, thank you. Good luck in New Mexico. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. That's Linda Howe, and uh, she will be coming to us from New Mexico um, next week. Uh, next next Sunday on the program so you're not going to want to miss that boy there's a lot going on I've never heard uh, audio tapes <laughs> I've never heard audio tapes uh, with that much solid uh, witness evidence on them that was good, very good alright, I want you to listen to me for a moment uh, if you have any savings, if you have investments, if you have money you've got to hear this uh, listen to me very carefully. Our money, the U.S. dollar, is in some trouble. It has been, um, it has been going down uh, and down compared to the yen. The bond market has been in a devastating downward slide. There are problems on the horizon. Our government has said they will issue a new money. They announced that now two months ago. One for use inside the U.S., one for use outside the United States so if you have some extra money we are suggesting that you convert some of it to gold it just makes sense gold always delivers it's always there it retains its value way back in the 30s had you um, an ounce of gold in the form of a gold coin and you held that money until now Then and now, you would be able to uh, buy a fine uh, wool suit with that gold. It's the best way I can think of to explain it. And, uh, of course, uh, $20 now wouldn't begin to buy you uh, a fine suit. If you had a uh, $20 bill, uh, it would buy you today what you can get today for $20. But But the gold would still get you the fine wool suit. That's the best way to explain how gold holds its value. So... Call North American Trading and let them tell you uh, all about gold, and they will. They've got a free newsletter. All you've got to do is call them in the morning. Make that Tuesday morning, I guess, at 1-800-877-9799. That number again, 1-800-877-9799. In just a moment, Dr. Bruce Goldberg. It's not that often that I get a chance to tell you all about a product that has affected my life like the Alpine air purification system. And not just my life, but my wife's as well. My wife suffers with asthma, and believe me, our home is a very different place since we turned on the Alpine system. In my case, I blow it directly into the intake of my central air conditioning, and the entire house smells mountain fresh. The unit is totally portable. It requires no installation. Just plug it in, turn it on, and your air will become clean and energized just the way nature does it. you ever see a thunderstorm with all the lightning coming down, smell the ozone and the ions? Well, you've really got to experience this one to believe it. I'm a smoker, and it's amazing how it also gets rid of odors. On top of that, there's no real risk involved. No risk. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's right. Try it and see for yourself how it works. So if you've got allergies, asthma, or if you just care about the air you breathe, and that's the best reason, call 1-800-717-HOPE. Order your Alpine air purification system. I tell you, your home or office will start smelling like mountain air. The Alpine system is rock solid. It's built to run 24 hours a day and lasts 15 years. So call them at 1-800-717-HOPE. That's 1-800-717-H-O-P-E. It's your air, and it's your health. Dr. Goldberg, right after the break at the bottom of the hour, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Goldberg. He graduated from Southern Connecticut State College in June of 1970, earned a B.A. degree in biology and chemistry, attended the University of Maryland School of Dentistry, receiving his Doctor of Dental Surgery degree May of 1974, Upon completion of a general practice residency program in dentistry, he set up both a general dental and hypnosis practice in Baltimore, where he practiced until 1989. Dr. Goldberg moved his hypnotherapy practice to Los Angeles in 1989 and then retired from dentistry at that point. In 1984, Dr. Goldberg received an MS degree in counseling psychology from Loyola College. The American Society of Clinical Hypnosis trained Dr. Goldberg in the techniques and clinical applications of hypnosis in January of 1975. This organization trains only licensed dentists, physicians, and psychologists in the use of hypnosis. Dr. Goldberg has appeared on a lot of television and radio shows throughout the country. He's conducted live past-life regressions, on Donahue, Oprah, Joan Rivers, Regis, Kathy Lee, and other CNN uh, stations. uh, Through lectures, television and radio appearances, and newspaper articles, including interviews in Time and The Washington Post, he's been able to educate many people as to the benefits of hypnosis. He's conducted more than 30,000 past life regressions and future life progressions since 1975, and none of his patients have ever been harmed through the use of these techniques. In addition, Dr. Goldberg distributes cassette tapes to teach people self-hypnosis and to guide them into past and future lives. Dr. Goldberg gives lectures and seminars on hypnosis and regression and progression therapy as well. He is also a consultant to corporations, attorneys, and the local network media. So if you've ever wondered whether you lived before and may live again, this is going to be an evening you're not going to want to miss. He just had a CBS movie entitled The Search for Grace. I know he's proud of it. He should be. I saw it. It was a wonderful uh, uh, movie. Dr. Goldberg is next.
3: kingdom of Nye. This is Dreamland with Art Bell on the CBC radio network. Well, good evening everybody.
0: I'm still, uh, that uh, report from Linda Howe is still resonating within my brain. That was really something. Dr. Bruce Goldberg is going to talk to us about about lives, past lives, future lives. The foreword uh, to his book, by the way, is by Raymond Moody, Dr. Moody, uh, who has been a guest here uh, any number of times. And um, this is an area of uh, particular fascination for me, as many of you know. So now uh, to Dr. Goldberg. Uh, Dr. Goldberg, are you there?
4: I certainly am here. It's a pleasure to reincarnate with you. Oh,
0: yes, reincarnate with us. Um, I, this, is, I, this is what
5: they call in football a three-peat.
0: <laughs> that's right. Uh, look, a lot of people, even though we warned them and promoted your movie, don't know about Search for Grace, the Search for Grace. Uh, tell them about your movie and about that case, Doctor.
4: Well, one of the criticisms that uh, not only my work but, but my colleagues have had over the years is that even though the clinical cases are very dramatic and very impressive, and, of course, that's my main purpose, People uh, come to my Los Angeles office not to document lives, but to uh, solve clinical issues. But they say, well, why, But can you prove it? Can you can you substantiate with evidence? And uh, what I did was I had a case that was approached me by a producer who wanted to do a movie for CBS. And, and I said, that, okay, so I went to my files, and there was a patient of mine that I worked with on the East Coast who I regressed her into 46 lives. And number 46 was a life that she lived in Buffalo, New York, as a woman who was, shall we say, a... Um, uh, a very disturbed woman, if you will, a woman who was um, unhappily married, and she was having numerous affairs on her husband, and finally she met up with the wrong guy at the wrong time, and he murdered her on, on May seventeenth, nineteen 1927, in Buffalo. Her name was Grace Doe, and she gave me about three dozen facts in trance which were very specific, including her last name, where she lived, her mother's her maiden name, her husband's uh, occupation, where he worked, etc., and uh, I uh, did initial research just to check on the validity of this. And, of course, the newspapers report murders for the last couple hundred years or so. You'll always read about some, even if you're a Jane Doe. And, in fact, they did have this uh, case where uh, her, the name was checked out and a few facts were checked out. So I then uh, just did the initial research, and then I turned it over to uh, uh, CBS themselves, and they had an independent researcher verify the other material. And it turned out out of about the three dozen facts she gave not only were every one of them verified with the exception of two two of the facts that, that, that she gave were in dispute which of course was a problem but not a big problem uh-huh. and the two facts were she said that she was thirty two years old when she was murdered and she was not looking forward to a thirty third birthday and that her son's name was was cliff now the newspaper reports that she was thirty years old and they said that her son's name was chester junior chester being her husband husband's first name as it turned out uh doing the research now in new york being a closed state you cannot just go into the department of public health records and look up a birth certificate as you can in california and probably can in nevada what you have to do is you have to go to the governor's office and you have to fill out a requisition slip and you have to go to a big bureaucracy cbs got that commission of course with no problem as it turned out in 65 years 1927 to 1992 the only entity meaning a person or, in, or, or corporation or any other a uh, uh, specific situation to request and to get permission to get into the records with CBS News in 1992 and as it turned out she was right the reporters were wrong she was born on January 21st 1895 she was 32 years old her son's name was Clifford C Doe's and the only way she could have known that is one of two ways either she was in fact the reincarnation of Grace Doe's which is what I feel she is or somehow she accessed her soul Either way, it establishes reincarnation or at least, at least a life after death or a permanence of the soul.
0: All right, how do, how do we know, Doctor? Uh, you know, uh, Dr. John Mack was on our show a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he was set up uh, by a lady, um, and, uh, and she got him. I don't know if you're familiar with that story or not. No. Uh, no. Dr. John Mack was set up um, a lady came and uh, told him a story and he made it part of his book, uh, one of many case studies, and she came back later and said, ha ha ha, it was a setup, I set you up, none of this really happened. Okay. And I'm just wondering, um, what? how can you know for sure that um she did not research this lady's life and and get the facts
4: because the only way she was not a member of the family okay that that's a given she was from a totally different part of the country and even if she did research the facts you see i'll accept that premise the problem here is that this is now one of the most documented cases of the century it's even better than the Bridie murphy case because now we have the real uh, we call her ivy is it? not a real name but that's what i call her uh, if she did research the facts, she would have given all the information that was in the newspaper reports, including the false data of her age and her son's name. Sure. She could not possibly have known that. In fact, I tell you, I had, a, I had an interesting confrontation. Uh, it, I, was doing an, I was doing an interview of the day before the movie. The movie aired May 17th, and on May 16th, I was interviewed on WGR radio in Buffalo, which is a 50,000-watt station, which I, I've worked with for about 12 years or so. I've done interviews on and off over the years. Right. And uh, the uh, the host of a show, who's an old friend of mine, his name is Tom Barrowley. You may know him. And Tom says, uh, you know, I did some research, doctor, and I have a little, I have a personal one. I want you to speak to. And I said, sure. Now, what he said was that the Department of Public Health said that for ten dollars, anybody can walk in there and get the birth certificate of anyone, including Governor Cuomo. Right. Right. And I said, really? I said, let me let me speak to the person. Being the, using my L.A. law cross-examination best.
6: Okay? <laughs> right.
4: And um, I spoke to the gentleman, was a very nice gentleman. He's a supervisor, and he said that, uh, Oh, excuse me, uh, but, uh, uh, Doctor, uh, I think before you even ask me any questions, that there's been an error here. You see, uh, Mr. Barley spoke to one of my uh, employees in reference to that, and my employee gave him the wrong information. You see, I am the supervisor, and any request for birth certificate goes to my office before they're released. Nobody. Jesus Christ couldn't get a birth certificate without having a family member, being a family member, or having an absolute permission granted. There's nobody that can get in here without a request filled out, signed and triplicate, and filed in the Department of Public Health. Right. So what he did was totally validate the idea that no, so she could not have possibly known. There's no way she could have known it. Not only that, but Grace knows what people don't know unless they read the new book, is that this is a woman whose family disowned her. I mean, nobody wants, there's no pictures of her, there's no, uh, there's, I mean, there's there's legal records of her marriage and her birth and, and her death certificate, of course. But there's no, uh, this is not the person that people uh, you know talk about at Thanksgiving dinner. This is a woman who was just like, uh, just you know, uh, just ostracized, if you will. So there's no way that it's physically impossible for her without getting into the Department of Health and records, unless she did a James Bond routine. Uh, there's no way she could have possibly gotten that information, and that makes it extremely very valuable, especially for those two facts. So, so now in John Mack's case, I don't know about that case, but I'll tell you one thing, I, I guarantee I can tell you the source. The source is most likely an organization called Sissy Cop based in Buffalo, New York, by a man named Paul Kurtz, a name I'm sure you probably know. He's a parapsychological debunker who likes to use magicians to set up people. But this woman, not only does was she not, do I know she was not set up because of that, but here's another interesting fact. Here's a woman who, she refused all interviews. I'm, I'm like her agent here. She uh, she refused to go on uh, all the panel shows, wanted to do uh, interviews with her, and in fact, people now want to do In fact, major major magazines and newspapers want to do interviews with her. She refuses any and all publicity. She yeah, doesn't. it's another good measure. Yeah, and I guess you also, by the way, another thing, too, is here's a, another interesting measure. People always talk about the finances. You know, I always like to get down to the old greenbacks.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Um,
4: and this is not gold coins, but American dollars, but what they, what they said to me was that, well, what about the, the right fees? Well, Ivy, or the real Ivy, uh, signed over the rights to me. She did not get a cent from this. In fact, her advice to me was, prior to me dealing with CBS, she said, I want you, Dr. Goldberg, to get the message out in only the way you know how to do, which means, of course, using the media for education and, and, and getting, getting the point across, as I am you know, well-known to do. So here's a woman who got nothing out of this. Zero. I mean, nothing. Uh, no one knows who she is except for me. Uh, and in fact, I'll show you another validation, which is kind of indirect. I got a call from uh, an attorney in Buffalo, New York, who uh, called me about uh, a few days after the movie aired. The granddaughters of Grace Doe's, who are alive, they're in mm-hmm. their their baby boomers, if you will. Uh, they had to contact an attorney to get to contact me. They want to meet the real, the real Ivy because they obviously believe that she is their, the, the reincarnation of their grandmother. And um so I mean here is an attorney and four granddaughters, one of which who looks exactly like the real Grace Doe's uh have already contacted me trying to get me to hook up with uh, with the real ivy so I mean there's so much information coming up here There's so many things that are happening that are just there's nothing to disavow it. There's everything to support it and uh, Like I say what 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 is her benefit? She has nothing to, to gain by it So I mean this is something that um, the, the research itself was very properly done and it was done by an independent organization not by me and therefore, you know, I mean, it, it, there's, there's no way to, to disavow it. So, I mean, uh, this is not going to be a reinc- reincarnation of what uh, Dr. John Mack went through.
0: All right. Uh, doctor, I want to understand what launched you into this whole search in the first place. In other words, how did you get from uh, retirement, dental retirement, uh, to where you are now. What launched you into this search, uh, to find out about reincarnation? Okay,
4: first, uh, when, when you mentioned retirement from dentistry, which is true, although I do do malpractice consulting, uh, you have to understand, uh, understand your listeners who, uh, may, uh, do, who do not know me. Uh, I am a very young retired dentist. When I was uh, going to college in the late 60s and dental school in the early 70s, 70-74, uh, in, in the 60s, I was not interested in watching uh, plays or the movie like Hair. I had no interest in reincarnation. Uh, I was a very straight biochemical biochemistry student at, uh, at Southern Connecticut State College in New Haven. So I had no interest whatsoever in any form of metaphysics until about 1972 when I took an astrology course. I started reading about astrology, and then I read the Bridie Murphy case. Uh, Maury Bernstein, subsequently, has, been, has become a very good friend. Yes. But um, uh, I read the Brian Murphy case, and I found that, as a scientist and, and clinician, I found that extremely interesting, and I think, you know, I want to test this hypothesis. In dental school, I, I decided I wanted to use hypnosis for pain control and apprehension control, which is very important, it's an excellent use for dentistry, and I used it for 13 years. In my dental practice. However, I wanted to test the hypothesis. While I was a resident being trained in Florida, I uh, took a course by the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, which, by the way, does not believe in nor in any way accept the concept of reincarnation. I mean, mm-hmm. they're a very sh- hard very line, very conservative, very straight laced, and uh, uh, if not reactionary group. And so I, I sure didn't get my, my, my stimulation from them. I see. And uh, I, the very first patient I decided to test this on was a, was a friend of mine. She was a graduate student at Florida State University in social work. And um, she went into nine different lives, which I thought was interesting. Well, now,
0: now, now, no, wait a minute. You said you decided to test it on one of your patients. What made you, was it the, the, the earlier research you had done? I mean... What culminated in, hey, I, I know hypnosis, I'm going to try this, and I'm going to see if there's anything to it. what That must have been quite a step.
4: Actually, it really wasn't. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why that wasn't such a big quantum leap. The quantum leap take was, was was deciding to do the hypnosis for, for dental purposes and to uh, use it in my practice, which is what the American Society trained me to, to use it for. While I was being trained, uh, one of the uh, psychiatrists who was training me, he said to me, he said, you know, doctor, he says, uh, you're a young doctor, and I was just right out of dental school, and he said, you know, most people take this course to the CE units and they go home and they, they put a plaque on the wall and they talk to their grandchildren about it later on, but no one ever uses it. Very few, very few of us ever, ever use it. He says, you are very talented. You've got a great uh, voice and technique and, and you're very assertive and you've got a lot of characteristics here that are ideal. So I want you to just know... Now, uh, from my perspective, I want you to use this in your practice. And I said, you know, I said I drove hundreds of miles to take this class, and I didn't do it just to uh, impress my uh, my wall with my other degrees. I said, mm-hmm. I intend to use this very fully. So, so that was a very nice compliment. Yes. When I got back, though, so uh, testing the hypothesis, you don't just read about hypnosis, you have to do it. It's a very clinical and very um, hands-on approach, if you will. So using hypnosis on my, this was a, not really a patient, she was a friend of mine, a, a, a colleague, if you will, later on, uh, she said, she said, look, if you go to do hypnosis, why don't you do it with me? I I think this is kind of fun. I'd like to try it. Just you know, it's it's relaxing. It's automatically a, a positive thing to do. So I think it, the worst I could do is just learn a few techniques. And you know, if I fail, whatever. It, it's a friend of mine. No 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 harm no foul. As they say.
0: I I would think anybody would volunteer for it. Would automatically be considered to be a good uh, prospect, wouldn't they?
4: Well, she was open-minded. What I didn't know until later on, until after working with her, was that she was a somnambule, which is the relatively rare kind of person, about one in 20, who can actually go into a very deep level of trance, speak foreign languages fluently in trance, and even give enough information for complete validation. But that really wasn't my interest at the time. I didn't uh, perceive at that time. I didn't do a progression and focus on me doing a documented case on CBS in, in 1974. Uh, as it turned out, she went into these nine different lives. And what was interesting was that while I was working with her, I wasn't doing anything therapeutic, at least purposely. I was just using experiments, techniques, and asking questions, and finding out how to deepen the trance level, and doing some of the things that we do with hypnosis. She um, she had two habits in a phobia that I wasn't even aware of. She was a, a smoker, but a very infrequent one. She had a bulimic habit, which is an eating disorder, which of course is easy to hide, uh, if you don't live with the person, or don't know that well. And then she also had a fear of water, which I didn't know, because we used to go to the beach. Uh, and she would never go into water, but, you know, a lot of women don't like to do it because of skin issues or whatever. They just, you know, like to the, like the suntan themselves, but she was afraid of the water. As a result of going through these regressions, she overcame each of those three issues, and I wasn't even trying to work with her. I never gave her any direct suggestions or any techniques. She just, by going through the experience and by going through what I didn't know at that time was a technique I was led to, to document and develop called the superconscious mind type, which we'll talk about, was able to actually help her to raise her own soul's energy and rise above the issue, like the immune system, if you will and was able to permanently, I mean, I knew her for about 13 years or 12 or 13 years later. Uh, She eventually moved up to the East Coast, uh, and um, I I knew her professionally uh, as she was with colleagues. Uh, So here's a woman who overcame these issues very, very extremely. So that really got me into the idea that, you know, something, this deserves more attention. I immediately developed a part-time practice. Even before I developed my full-time, my my my, my, hypno, my dental practice, I was actually a resident at the time, and when I moved back to Baltimore to do open my, my dental office, I practiced dentistry only two years full-time, and hypnotherapy part-time. Within two years, hypnotherapy was now my full-time practice. And dentistry was about 10 hours a week. So really, right. it, was, it was a very intense uh, dedication and commitment very early to hypnotherapy.
0: All right. Uh, something I really want to ask you about, um, and it, it's that moment. In other words, you may have heard, read, done research about people with prior lives and all the rest of it, but uh, I doubt that it can compare to getting your first subject under and that moment when you realize you have led them into another life it must have raised the hair on the back of your neck well
4: it it did what happened was that see what happened first in dealing with my uh my colleague here she went to the life that she went through the first was a life in which she drowned on board a ship in about the early 1700s Mm. and she went through the death experience including the suffocation and everything that uh, the helplessness and the hopelessness of drowning what it means which is not something that uh, people you know would want to think of how to spend a nice Sunday evening Uh, and that experience which was very emotional but of course perfectly safe at the same time when I saw that when I saw the intensity this is a woman who was. You know, I knew her. She was a very bright, very uh, very quick mind, very very global, very open-minded person. But here's a woman who is not an actress. She wasn't a theater major. She was a social work major. And here she was going through these, these contortions, these intense things. Yes. And I said, boy, this is, if this isn't real, then, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat my proverbial hat. And as it turned out, uh, uh, this was very critical in an immediate relief of that particular phobia, which, again, I didn't know existed. And within about three or four days, when I saw her next, She was swimming in the, uh, you know, in the ocean, not just watching it, and that was to me extremely impressive. I said, "Boy, this is, you know, this is like when when the student is ready, the teacher will be there." And necessity is the mother of the proverbial invention.
0: So, in other words, you helped her get back on the horse and ride again.
4: Basically, I like I like to think of myself as not really solving people's problems or curing people, but simply training them to to do it themselves. And and what I did with her was trained her. To access literally her higher self, which we'll talk about, and she was able to overcome these issues really mostly by herself, just needed a little what I call karmic tweak, as I call it. And um and but the effect upon me was dramatic in the sense that I said to myself, whoa, this is like the light bulb going over your head, or exactly, you know, this is this is the thing that said myself, I'm going to now devote more time to this, I'm going to check this out, and I'm going to do more and more of it. She referred a lot of her classmates to me and other people that she knew in town. Who this was Tallahassee, Florida, which was uh, Florida State University is like one of the major industries in town, if you will. And um, so I had a lot of, I had an instant practice, and I had a lot of experience and a lot of uh, people to work with, and it just got more and more interesting and more and more therapeutic.
0: All right. Well, that's how it all happened. Hold on, doctor. We'll be right back to you. Uh, My guest is Dr. Bruce Goldberg. He'll be back in a second. Do you have hard water? I I certainly uh, did. I have well water. Really good water, as a matter of fact, except uh, it was hard, as well water would be. And it does a lot of predictable things, decreases water pressure as it clogs your pipes. This, uh, uh this, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, gunk, junk. Um, and it'll, it'll put spots on your glassware. You'll know you have it if you have that. Pour a sudsing of, s- uh, soap and shampoo in the shower. Uh, you already know about all that. So if you have hard water, you know about it. It's scaling, is what it's really called. Out at the end of the water pipe, I had a lot of it, and, uh, Uh, Or at least some of it. And when they put this on, they said, look, in a few days it's going to start falling off. And sure enough, it did. I would never have advertised this had I not first used it. Then the scaling in the pipes broke out too. And then my water began to clear. And when it did, it was fantastic. And it is. Uh, This water is better for your skin, hair, food, clothes, appliances, car, pool, spas, whatever you've got that uses water. It's all done with space-age magnetic technology. That's GMX. It's a magnetic conditioning, water conditioning system. It's about $400 uh, for the average residence. Comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If it does not do what we say it does, you get your money back. Simple as that. Call toll-free 1-800-400-1999. That's 1-800-400-1999. And now the Sea Crane Company and the DL Digital Telephone. I spend a lot of time on the telephone, folks. Um, Half my life, it seems. And so, of course, a portable telephone is just the uh, ticket for me, except I couldn't stand normal portable telephones. Uh, Your neighbors interfere. Uh, You get hum, click, disconnect. You know how they sound. I get them here on the air. You know how they sound, usually real hummy and What does happen to us? Past lives, future lives? Uh, Are there rules to reincarnation? Is everybody reincarnated? Uh, What's the deal?
4: Well, the deal is uh, actually more fully explained. I'll I'll summarize it for you. But in my my older book, Past Lives, Future Lives, the Valentine publication, uh, i go there 's a chapter where I talk about what happens in between lives and how you choose your next life and right. um, in fact, there are techniques and tapes that are available that people can actually go through that experience. I call that the superconscious and the soul plane. We can talk about that later too but basically, what happens is that when the soul you have to understand the soul is equivalent to this radio signal this radio signal uh, is electromagnetic radiation television signals is also the same kind of radiation it 's harmless radiation, yes All right. And your soul is, and we've proven this scientifically over many years. The soul is, in fact, electromagnetic radiation. We can photograph it. We can weigh it. We can uh, we can prove it, it exists or wait, wait
0: Wait a minute, you're running too fast. We can weigh the soul.
4: Well, interestingly, There was a man named McDougall in the early part of the century who did a, a study where he had people on these. They had, of course, signed permission for this he had these on these very large analytical balances when i was in uh, studying chemistry we used to use these uh, very fine balances to measure very small weights of of matter solids well he had a gigantic version of these analytical balances and what he did was he had people who were about to die and they had they give him permission or to allow them to weigh them while they were dying and what happened was that at the moment of death upon the expiration and of course, they were hooked up with various, like, you know, machines to, to show when they actually physically crossed the spirit, as we call it, or clinically died. Yes. There was about a three-quarter of an ounce of difference in the weight. Oh my! And that was that I, was that was actually quite a reliable study. I,
0: I've yeah, you know, I've heard of this, and and so you're telling me that was a real study.
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah. McDougall was a very very qualified man. Well,
0: what happened to that data?
4: Well, the data's around, just that the study was done about 1913, so science to today, uh, nobody has decided to replicate that uh, recently that I know of. Why not? Well, you, you have to understand you're dealing with uh, we're dealing with a litigious society, and uh, well, how many people are, it's hard enough to that's get true. bodies, cadavers for medical school, let alone people to put themselves on balance.
0: Right? Would you conscience. lie? Would you lie here while you die, please?
4: Yeah. I don't think you're going to see too many ads in the paper. But please sign up and uh, you know call this number one eight hundred dead. You know how many?
0: Do you know how many individuals were involved in that study? I
4: really don't. I I, I read the original study years ago, almost, about twenty years ago, but uh, it was a study that was done. I, I believe it was done in Duke, but I'll have to, I'll have to double check. Anyway, it was it was a, a, a real a fight
0: study and it, it can be that's uh, that's incredible all right we're at the top of the hour so i've got to pause here uh, dr bruce goldberg is my guest past lives future lives that incidentally uh title of a book he's also written we'll be back
3: Kingdom of 9 You're hearing Greenland with Art Bell. To participate in the program, call toll-free 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers, area code 702-727-1222. Or the wildcard line at 702-727-1295. This is the CBC Radio Good evening to all you three quarters of
0: an ounce types. Maybe some with a little. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if it varies around. Some have more soul than others. Hmm. <laughs> There's a question to ask. We'll get back to Dr. Goldberg and ask it in just a moment. Uh, yes, yeah, so we
4: were talking about the idea of the in-between life state, and I was referring to the idea that uh, the soul or the subconscious mind, which is identical to a radio or TV signal, meaning electromagnetic radiation. Exactly. In neurology or medicine, we refer to this as the alpha brainwave level, which has been documented since the early 50s. Well, as it turns out, what happens is that there is a rather standard scenario that occurs during the in-between life experience. But first, let me, let me just go back to the scientific aspect of this. We can weigh the soul to approximately three-quarters of an ounce, as was done in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. We can photograph a Kirlian photography developed by the Russian uh, researcher Kirlian in the early 40s uh, shows that you, know, you, you can take uh, it's the human aura or the soul that you can actually photograph. All right,
0: I, I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. What is Kirlian photography actually taking a picture of? In other words, I can imagine that a human body would have an aura of a thermal energy uh, uh, around it, or even some kind of very weak electromagnetic energy, mm-hmm. what is it photographing?
4: What you're actually photographing is the actual soul, because what what goes on here is that the thermodynamic energy you're referring to, such as our 98.6 body temperature, would not Correct. emanate very far off the body.
6: No, it really not. The
4: photography shows that when the animal, human or lower animal or even plant, is excited, there's a dramatic increase in the aura around the body. You can't do that with thermodynamic or with the electromagnetic, like the gravity around the earth doesn't change very much,
0: you know? All right, then my question is, what force, well, you're going to say the force of the soul, um, what force is it actually measuring? Scientifically, it's got to be seeing something we can measure.
4: Electromagnetic radiation is worth measuring. That's the bottom line
0: electromagnetic radiation Mm -hmm. but there's
4: nobody there's no transformer popping up the voltage it's not becoming a hundred thousand watt signal from fifty thousand watts the body doesn't change that much
0: and uh, so then what permutations uh, in the aura are you able to observe
4: well, I mean, you know, you have to understand when they take these photographs, a photograph is a photograph. We don't, we, I don't, you know, what, what we don't know the exact myth of what they're getting. They, it is definitely the representation of our aura or our electromagnetic field around our body. But the point is, is that it, do, it does violate most of the physical laws that we're trained in physiology.
0: Right. I, I've just never understood, fairly in photography, what kind of special process is being used. Uh, what, uh, what kind of photograph? Not just regular. Uh,
4: uh, well, we're going to have to reincarnate the dr you to find out because i've never done the procedure i've just seen the photograph all right but basically what we say we can photograph it we can weigh it we can uh, uh we, we can observe the phenomena via automatic writing as other indirect ways of perceiving the presence of a soul so we know that the soul there's no questioning that is not even a a, a a debate anymore it hasn't been for many decades for some people doctor it is it, it is but not for scientists okay all right the, the lay public say, you know there's, there's a flat earth society too but yeah i'm not a member you know i okay. don't have a card. Uh, anyway, so the uh, so the presence of the soul is important because it does actually show that there is a life after death. And, of course, things like the uh, documented cases and other things that we can do just only add to the add data. What happens in between lives is very interesting. Uh, you mentioned a very good, uh, a very dear friend and a very qualified man, Ray Moody, who, of course, termed the de- the term near-death experience yes. in 1975 in his book, Life After Life, Well, as it turns out, his experience of the core experience of a near-death experience is very similar to what happens when a person actually does die in a past life. What they do is they do go through the tunnel, if you will. Most of them do. There's a variation, but there's a core experience there. They do have the presence of lights and colors and sometimes sounds. They do have the presence of... A guardian angel, if you will, a loved entity. It might be a, uh, it might be an image of a Christ or another religious leader. It might be uh, an image of a grandparent or some other person that they've known who's on the other side. Uh, they do have this feeling of, of uh, empowerment, of, of peace, of freedom from physical, whatever they were suffering from, whether it be a heart attack or a spear in the chest, whatever it may be. And, of course, they're always perfectly safe when they do this. Now, what happens in between the mechanism
0: now? Well, again, I want to stop you for a second. I, I saw a couple of physicians. I think it was, oh, I don't know, it was CBS or some network recently did something on the near-death experience. Okay. They had physicians who came on uh, presenting the other side, saying, look, the brain has synapses. Um, as the brain dies, it dies from the outside Uh, rushing toward the center so we are not surprised that people who are dying see a bright white light Mm -hmm. uh, that gets smaller and smaller and more intense as the outer portions of the brain die how would you counter that
4: well i would counter it very simply and i will counter it not only with the work of ray moody but also with a very good colleague and a mutual friend of ours dr kenneth ring from university of connecticut who wrote a book in 1980 which no one seems to have ever heard of called life or death it's a great book um but it's very technical what happens here is that you see what Dr. Ring reported, and Dr. Moody didn't really report this that much until later on. Ring was the one who really uh, focused on the idea of precognitions as a characteristic of near-death experience. Okay. What happened was that Dr. Ring would report in his book and subsequent books afterwards. So, that people would have these premonitions of future events and they were documented they logged them in with little computers and they kept registries of these and these people would not only perceive them at the corner of a room where they would see the dials of what their blood pressure was when they were having a near-death experience which of course they can't see when you're lying on a slab or no are but they also would report their cousin uh getting in a car accident three weeks hence, and things like that that were actually documented now i i know the woman it was a woman that was on this network especially i saw it myself and I understand her callousness and her, her, and her mentality, but she also has a reputation of being very hard-nosed anti-parapsychology. So you have to understand there's no such thing as an objective opinion. What, what she can't describe, though, what she can't explain, she was dealing with the neurophysiology, of which I have a background, and I understand what she was saying, but she can't explain the precognition, or what I call progression, in Parent Life, Future where these events actually come true. They do not come true when people are out of this near-death experience in the normal way he state. We're not talking about psychics or sensitives or people who have that experience. We're talking about only people who have this experience as a result of the near-death experience. Okay. See, so therefore, that gives, again, indirect but very substantial evidence. Anyway, they go through, uh, there are very different procedures. Everybody has their own mentality. For example, in past Life, Future Lives, I described a talk show host from... Uh, Baltimore, who's now in New York, uh, Harry Martin, who's now at WABC TV, in New York, who went to this like dome experience where he would choose his next life. He was in like a dome experience and almost the equivalent of a network uh, headquarters where you'd have monitors showing all your past lives, your your future options, and and then he was he would have his masters and guides, his higher self would be there, his departed relatives that he had all kinds of advice as to what to choose in his next life. Other people might report being on the Himalaya mountaintops, or whatever you feel comfortable is what you're given, but there is an in-between life state where you are accessing what we call your higher self, which as you'll see is very important for the therapeutic components of what I do.
0: All right, I, I, uh, I've got to touch on it. Um, religion is going to mix into all of this for a lot of people, and so I would ask you, is there any report that these people give of um, a review, a judgment? Uh, of any sort uh, with regard to the, the li- life just lived?
4: You know, it's very interesting. That that, that question has come up in the past, and I'll tell you, I, have, uh, I don't know anybody in the world that has the experience I have of doing over 30,000 regressions on 10,000 individual people in 20 years, and I have never had that. I've never had anybody ever report to me what you're calling the judgment or the judgment day, if you will. What they get is a very objective overview uh, of, of what they've done, and not focusing in on their faults, but simply, okay, now this is what you've done, and this is what needs to be done, and this is what your options are, and what do you want to do?
0: And that's you know, that's, 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 a, that's a kind of a judgment, though, isn't it?
4: not really a judgment to me is when you like you are bad evil you go to hell you go to heaven you go to purgatory that's judgment well but
0: yes but maybe we are in the end required to in effect judge ourselves
4: well uh, you could always say judging not lest ye be judged mm. <laughs> but, but what i'm saying here <laughs> is that there isn't the, the idea of somebody some you know white-bearded uh, white-sheeted person with a uh, pointing finger, so to speak yeah it's a very objective very beautiful peaceful ethereal experience that's described in various different forms but that seems to be the bottom line where you have this overview. It's what I call a global assessment. And this is done from what we call the soul plane. I describe the various plane concepts in past life, future life, for those of you who are listening that are interested in more detail. this is basically gotten from metaphysical literature. But basically, they have this, they're on a different dimension, if you will, where there are no physical laws as we know it. Anytime you leave the earth plane, even in a near-death experience, assuming that you're going to what we call the astral plane or the next highest plane, there are no physical laws as we know it. In fact, you're in the space-time continuum, which means that past, present, and future are all simultaneous, which is more fully explained in the new book, The Search for Grace, which is just hot off the presses, published by InPrint Publishing and is just out now. And and what I'm trying to say is, you have a a, a way of where you have the choice. It's not like what people say, you know, I just, I have bad karma, so that's why (laughs) I've done what I've done. That's what I call the karmic cop out, or the excusitus, as I call it. And to me, that I will always confront, as you know me, I'm not exactly a shy person. Uh, and i will always say look you choose this you may have made some mistakes or maybe you didn't follow the path that you wanted to do but you can always correct it there are very few things in life that you really can correct in fact quantum physics which is the basis of the field says that our thoughts create the reality therefore the only thing that we know is in the universe we're not even sure of this is there's only one mind out there and that is your mind or my mind or your listener's mind we don't know there's any other mind out there we don't know what else even exists in reality, but we do know that our thoughts do create a reality. In fact...
0: All right, a quick technical question about this plane. When you're on this plane, I take it you have a kind of consciousness, and your consciousness uh, is a product of the life just lived... And you retain that until the moment you make your choice about the next?
4: You actually retain, not only do you retain the life of, of which you just lived, but you also, this is what we call your ultimate consciousness, which is, by the way, a constant in quantum physics equations. That's how scientific it is. You have a consciousness and an awareness of all your past lives, all, all your few lives, all your parallel frequencies, and all the possible combinations and permutations for you to select from. It is a global menu. Wow. See, so, this is, so this is why there's no excuse. for have to Now, people can always deny things and use their defense mechanisms as people will want to do. But the point of my therapy is to get people beyond the defense mechanisms.
0: Doctor, it's, while you're on that plane, it seems to me that almost, for some people, might be considered to be an eternal hell. That is, uh, sentenced to live... Life after life after life after life. After well, actually, life. you have
4: the right point, but the wrong term. The the, the eternal hell that you're, that people would describe. You know, really, you know, this is going to offend certain people. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm not running for office. Basically, according to my research and my experience, and again, it is voluminous, the hell that we talk about or people have related to is really the earth plane. What you're living in right now is the hell. There's nothing below the earth plane, no matter how you slice it. I've never had any evidence of anything below the earth plane.
0: Put another way, this is as bad as it gets.
4: Well, as as you allow it to be. You see, you can always improve things. I mean, I have dramatic cases that are reported in both books. I mean, Ivy, here's a woman, let's just deal with Ivy for a moment. The the, the real Ivy was murdered by the same man 20 times in 46 lives Mm -hmm. He tried to murder her on three different occasions in her current life. And had she not have gone through this experience, she probably would be belly up or face down in her 21st experience of being killed by this man that we call johnny in this life and jake in the 1927 buffalo life so here's a woman who was constantly the hell was simply being murdered by this guy the victimization and the karmic retribution, if you will, of not learning the lesson of finally standing up to your rights and getting on with your life and removing this obsession, obsessive-compulsive disorder, what we call it, and to, and to uh, rise above this. And that was really the whole point of, of the book. See, the Search for Grace book, the reason why that is very different from past life, future life, is because the Search for Grace not only is it a documented case that's fully documented, but it also reads as a non-fiction murder mystery. You know, the Buffalo does, Police man. Department today consider the Grace Doe's case an unsolved murder. And I had a very nice conversation with a man named Sandy uh, Constantino, who was the Tonawanda where she was actually murdered, uh, the chief of detectives, and he, at least he was in 1992, and he um, said to me, he says, well, doctor, you know, we know who the murderer was. He, he's, a real, he's a history aficionado. And I said, Sandy, you know who it is? Go ahead. Who is it? Knowing police mentality, since I'm a forensic consultant, I knew he would assume it would be the husband. And I said, well, that's very good, Sandy. The problem was that Chester Doe had a broken leg the day of the murder which, of course, was reported in the newspapers. And he said, yeah. And I said, plus, he also didn't drive a car. He was also illiterate. So, therefore, he must have, unless he rented a cab and said, excuse me, cab driver, take me to this place where I can murder my wife and then bring me home and help me get through the door of my clutches, uh, it wasn't the husband. He said, well, I guess you're right. So who wasn't? And I said, well, you can't try a man for a past-life murder. So don't worry about the actual real murderer. Well, uh,
0: all right. Through your assistance, has Grace been murdered for the last time?
4: Yes, uh, the real IV now. This is now six years after this regression was done. And by the way, some interesting things have come up here. She, by the way, is in a very healthy relationship. Uh, she has uh, she broke off the relationship with the man we call Johnny, or at least he was called Johnny in both the book and the movie. And uh, she is very, very healthy. She's a very young woman actually, uh, but very, very bright, a professionally trained woman, and she's going on life right, very happy. She loved the movie. She loved the new book, and she's uh, a very totally empowered person who you wouldn't even literally recognize from her behavior now as to when I saw her six years ago. But the interesting thing about this case, though, uh, 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 again, it reads as a non-fiction murder mystery that, of course, was solved. It's also showing the principle of synchronicity, which is very well uh, uh, assumed throughout the entire book, which is the Jungian concept that says there are no coincidences. And what uh, what was synchronistic about this case was not only the fact that she would hook up with me, but that CBS, the network itself, was, was actually introduced us indirectly, including the writer of the movie, over a 10-year period of time that I wasn't aware until long after the fact. So it was a very, very kind of a, an unusual uh, circumstance that led us to all get together, where not only she was able to resolve her issues, but also this was able to be dramatized in a, in a relatively accurate form on May 17th. By the way, for the benefit of your listeners, if they saw the movie, the 11 o'clock news after the movie did show me on a little clip showing an actual aggression in one of my other patients and some of your listeners may have also seen me on the jerry springer show that was aired in january where he was taken into both a past and future life in his past life he shared a life where he was actually uh uh helped by his current wife's daughter so there was a karmic tie with uh his past life experience in middle medieval england Uh, But again, the point of all this is that this is a case where you have uh, past, you have karmic ties, relationships, we know each other in past lives, we know the significant people in our lives, victimization, which is always the issue I deal with, the idea of uh, of relationship ties, of empowerment, of overcoming issues. It doesn't matter what the issue is, as long as it's humanly possible and the patient is motivated Anything can be accomplished. And by the way, another theological reference here: in the movie, uh, the very end of the movie, they showed the uh, the real Grace uh being uh, buried, and, and the marker on her grave said, "Ye shall be born again," which was uh, a really not quite exact quote from John chapter three, verse seven. The real quote is, "Ye must be born again." And on May fifteenth, nineteen ninety-four, two days prior to the airing of the movie, Alex, Ayers, the writer, and myself uh, placed a marker on the real. Place Doe's grave, which was unmarked for sixty-seven years, uh, sixty-five years, and in fact, uh, that is there now. The movie was also aired synchronistically, and not with uh, with, with, with uh, intent. The network didn't do it for that reason. It was aired exactly sixty-seven years to the day from her death. And not only that, but it aired to the hour because she was killed, uh, murdered apparently, according to the coroner's report, at approximately ten p.m. Eastern time, Eastern Standard uh, Time. And the movie was aired between nine and eleven p.m. on May seventeenth of this year. So. It was to the exact moment that she died.
0: Okay, I'm curious. What has the reaction of the movie been like? Have you had a lot of people coming forward to you saying, Oh, my God, uh, this is what I need. Uh, I need to talk to Dr. Goldberg. I need to get this or that worked out. Um, what's the reaction been like?
4: Well, the reaction has been unbelievably positive. I mean, I'm, I'm even surprised, and I've been a television consultant for 15 years. When you're on the 11 o'clock news nationwide, you're going to get a variety of responses. Now, what I got was, I really, uh, I don't, my secretary has not logged in any calls of people saying, you're a jerk, I hate you, goodbye, or, you know, you're the devil, reincarnate. I, didn't, I haven't gotten any of those, so most of those people wouldn't call me anyway. Uh, but what I've gotten was a, a, a vociferous response of uh, very, very nice people who, of course, wanted therapy and uh, wanted experiences. But what's very interesting about this is that, uh this, this is what I want to talk about now for a few minutes, what I said on the news, now this is a three-minute clip that went nationwide, and I know you saw it in Las Vegas. Yes. Uh the uh what happened was I discussed if you can recall the news clip, I discussed accessing the higher self, the superconscious mind level, perceiving the soul's uh, awareness, pre- perceiving at the past and future lives, being able to change your your future by empowerment. And what people responded to uh, as lovely as they were and was so appreciative, and this is one of the reasons why I did it was that they said, you know, doctor, I've never in my entire life ever watched the 11 o'clock news and talked and had somebody talk about the super conscious mind on the 11 o'clock news. <laughs> and they just never got it before. I mean, you know, it just never, never came, especially from a credible source. And therefore, that was one of the main effects people got, even those that, of course, many of them had their experiences became came to see me. I'm still getting lots of referrals from that. But what, what they said was that I really appreciate you having the guts to, go, to say that, having that air, and re- being willing to take that stand Fearing, you know, knowing that of the potential response, the response is all positive. I mean, I, and I knew it would be, but the point was that I have a certain karmic purpose, or subcycle in this life of education, and uh, uh, the, uh, I do not believe in education by, by uh, shall we say, by um, eggshellness. I believe in education by confrontation and by do whatever has to be done, and the network was kind enough to, uh, they edited, of course, it down, but they, 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 they left the bites in and the, and the key points, so it was a very nice response and very appreciated. Even people who didn't come to see me just called in, and I had calls from all over the country, people say, you know, I, I can't come to Los Angeles to see you, but you know, doctor, keep up the good work, and I'm really glad to see what you did.
0: Well, so, it's wonderful. Uh, all of this uh, begs all kinds of questions to me about the nature of time itself the nature of time is there anything you can say about that
4: sure as a matter of fact in past my future lives you understand when i was dealing with valentine they didn't want me to devote too much time to the technical aspects of quantum physics that it would turn off the public sure so i i had to wait until the new book the search for grace has three appendices in the back uh, appendix c has an actual self-exercise but appendix a and b will give the complete background of how this therapy works, what we call transpersonal psychology. It will also tie in the space-time continuum in quantum physics. Yes. And it will give it to examples, diagrams, and it's very simply written so that you don't have to be a physicist or a scientist to, uh, to understand it. What we're saying here... And All right, not... hold, hold
0: it. Uh, we'll tackle this when we come back. We've got a bottom-of-the-hour break right now. Dr. Bruce Goldberg is my guest. His book, his latest book, The Search for Grace, was recently a CBS movie. I hope you had an opportunity to see it. We will be opening the telephone lines and taking questions for Dr. Goldberg. So if you're of a mind to ask one, put your dial and finger uh, to the telephone and get going. Coming up shortly.
3: Continue with your calls on Greenland with Art Bell. Call Art now, toll free at 1-800-618-8255. 8255 one First time callers, area code 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Or the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295. 727-1295 in the 702 area code. Now again, here's Art Bell. From the high desert,
0: this is Dreamland. Good evening, everybody. I am Art Bell. My guest is Dr. Bruce Goldberg. And uh, we're going to get back to him and more about past and future lives and the nature of time in just a moment. First, though, we've got a sponsor called Absolutely Fresh Flowers. Uh, all they do is sell flowers to the American public directly from a flower farm. The net result of that is you get the best deal in flowers that anybody gets anywhere, any time. period. It's the best deal on flowers in the United States of America. Quite a claim, huh? I make it. There's no question about it. It's miniature carnations they sell, beautiful flowers, and uh, and you get such a gigantic shipment that the person on the other end just pulls bonkers whenever they get them. And you get a telephone call saying, why'd you spend all that money on flowers? <laughs> you can either say, look, I'll tell you the truth. It was just thirty nine ninety five, including delivery. Or you can keep your mouth shut and just say something like, well, you're worth every penny. That's what I usually recommend. But that's up to you. That's the price. Delivery anywhere in the contiguous United States uh, for $39.95. You can't beat it. Absolutely Fresh Flowers. Call them right now or 24 hours a day for exactly that kind of impact at one 800 562 Six four three eight. That's one eight hundred five six two six four three eight. Absolutely fresh flowers. Do you have hard water? I did. Hard water that produced such effects as clogged water pipes, water heater inefficiency, decreased water pressure, spots on all the glassware, poor sudsing of soap and shampoo. These aggravations plagued my water until I discovered the ultimate practical solution called the GMX Fluid Conditioner. What is it? Well, it's installed in my home, and now I swear by it. Think of it this way. The U.S. Bureau of Standards reports that just three-eighths of an inch of buildup and scale in your water heater requires 55% more energy. On average, that's $247 more a year you've got to pay just for hot water. GMX removes the dump from the water, which makes it better for your skin, hair, food, clothes, appliances, car, pools, and spas. But here's the kicker. It's all done with space-age magnetic technology. Magnetics! GMX uses no salt, no chemicals, no maintenance required. is environmentally friendly. Retains healthy minerals. Can be moved if you move. And comes with a lifetime warranty. Lifetime. Technology originally developed for the NASA space program. You'll be absolutely amazed at what it can do for you. The cost is only $400, and it comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, you get your money back. Can't lose. Call toll-free 1-800-400-1999. Once more, 1-800-400-1999 between 8 in the morning and 5 in the afternoon mountain time. Write it down and call this number. 1-800-400-1999 1-800-400-1999 all right, back now to our guest, Dr. Bruce Goldberg, and I was asking him a little bit about the nature of time. After all, if we come back in a succession of lives, uh, both uh, in the past and uh, then into the future, it would certainly suggest, or it seems to me as you follow this, it would uh, begin to suggest something about the nature of time itself. What about it, doctor?
4: Well, what the quantum physicists state and actually prove both mathematically and experimentally is that all time is simultaneous and functions in a continuum. So there really is no beginning and no end. Past, present, and future events are really occurring all at the same time. The analogy that I use in both Past lives, Future lives, and the Search for Grace is a simple one of a helicopter. If you're listening to the radio and during the early morning and you're driving on the freeway or highway where you would live, and uh, you hear this uh, uh, helicopter reports about this about the traffic patterns if you are in this car and there's a helicopter directly above you by 200 feet mm-hmm. and you have a cb and the helicopter has a cb so you're a karmic good buddy here yeah and then there's a car five miles behind you where you just came from and five miles ahead of you where you're going to you can't see a car five miles in front or behind you on the freeway or highways it's just too far but the helicopter because it's 200 feet above the freeway can perceive all three cars simultaneously which means your past present and future it can also communicate with these cars because it has a cd and all these three cars have cbs and what's interesting is that when you go into an alpha level natural hypnosis which is really a natural state that we go through through three to four hours of our waking day every time you daydream every time you watch television read a book Driving in a car, by the way, 25% of the time it's documented you're in alpha or hypnosis. When you go into your REM cycle, the dream levels at night, which as you'll see is when basically all the therapeutic uh, the therapy actually uh, occurs, that's another three hours a night. So you're spending about six to seven hours a day in a 24-hour day or 2,500 hours a year for every year of your life going through natural hypnosis, which is why it doesn't feel particularly unusual. All right, so that I may understand, then, time is just
0: uh, something we had to invent.
4: Well, time is only a concept that, of course, it's it's a label, just like you label anything else. But what I'm saying here is that, using the concept of quantum physics and what I just described, when you enter into a hypnotic level, you actually are doing automatically an out-of-body experience. You don't have to go to the corner of the room and, and observe and watch uh-huh. the silver cord you actually are leaving your body every time you enter a day level when you enter the bo- when you leave the body you are now entering what i call the freeway of life here and you are really now being the helicopter rather than the car and therefore you are now able to go either back or forward in time and since our thoughts and this is where physics and mathematics really go together very well since our thoughts go faster than the speed of light we call that in physics a tachyon Going faster than the speed of light means that you're going in reverse time sequence. Uh-huh. So mathematics and physics, a conventional, not just quantum physics, but even conventional physics has proven that uh, we can actually be a time machine and go back and forward in time. So therefore, all our past and future and present and future lives are occurring right now. We just label it for our own convenience, but we are not really accurate. We are on the earth plane, but not when you leave the earth plane, and therefore, Using hypnosis, what you're doing is an out-of-body experience, which means you're now leaving the Earth plane, entering into either the astral plane or anywhere up to the soul plane, and able to perceive your past, present, and future. All right, we've got to get to telephones
0: here, but uh, here's a question came in by Facts. I've got a lot of them. Please, please, please ask your guest if God is just a mathematical equation.
4: No, actually, what God is, is very interesting. This is something that is going to both disappoint and thrill some of your listeners. Well, you can you can pray you can go through all kinds of uh, mentalities and rituals all you want to you will never contact God by doing that because God has no conception to the lower five planes or the karmic cycle. What God is is not a mathematical constant. It's actually the energy that we have a remnant of our superconscious mind, which is a clinical term, uh, and it's actually provable by the way, it's demonstrable. Our superconscious mind, or what your listeners would be would known in the literature as the higher self is actually a remnant of the God energy. The only time you ever go to meet the God energy is when you are perfect, when you ascend into the higher planes and go to either whatever you believe in, whether it be the 13th plane, the all that is, nameless plane, there's all kinds of names for it. Those are all man-made, if you will. But yet, yet is a God. God is energy, and energy is the basis of the universe. The Big Bang Theory, which I, by the way, buy as a concept until proven otherwise, says that the universe began as a pencil point full of energy that exploded it was energy not matter that preceded in fact the basis of the universe is energy nothing else so Mm -hmm. the god energy is nothing but a perfect form of that energy of which we have a remnant of and therefore yes there is hope and salvation and not only that but i've done progressions you know i I developed the field of progression hypnotherapy in 1977 when i asked the patient to go to the origin of a problem and she decided to go into the 23rd century rather than back in time as i suspected she would and i've taken patients as far forward as the 36th century and that is documented and lives. and so yes, there is going to be quite a future for us, for human forms and the compliance. Seems course. to me you'd be in a position to do a little uh, what would appear to be
0: prophecy. I mean, can you tell us what's coming?
4: Well, now, see, interesting. This, this is this is a, a, a the answer is yes, but no. Uh, I, I I am not going to prophesize about anything because what I what I try to demonstrate more more so in the search for grace now rather than pathologized, we didn't really have that much time to do it. There is that. There are not just one future, but there are parallel universes out there. So, to make it simple, even though there's an infinite number of parallel dimensions, which was, by the way, demonstrated in Princeton University in 1957 by a man named Hugh Everett III, who received his PhD in quantum mechanics, which is the actual technical name of quantum physics, uh, in Princeton. And Princeton is not exactly a matchbook university. Right. It was mapped out by Martin Kruskal, his uh, his supervisor, during the ne- next few years, but we've, we've demonstrated parallel universes for 37 years. Now what this shows is that, let's say, to keep it simple, from the experience of doing this for 17 years, you and I and everybody out there has at least five major groupings of different futures. We call them frequencies. Let's say frequencies one through five. And let's say that you are on frequency one right now, but your best frequency is number four. If you were then to perceive all five frequencies, which is what I do in my Los Angeles office, and by the way, your listeners can do that via tape, which I'll talk about later, uh, then, then you can switch tracks and go to number four. So if I were to give you some scenario and say, well, you know, in 1999, this is going to happen, that will happen on a certain frequency, but not necessarily the one in which you are on.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Let me tell you why that's fascinating. I've had a lot of people who do prophecy, mm-hmm. and most of them say, doctor, this uh, is a future. It does not have to be this way or there are alternatives to it. And uh, o- almost to the person, they always say that. And that kind of coincides with what you're saying about, right. about, about the way it's...
4: What they're doing is they're reading books like mine and books by Fritz Copper and books by Fred Alan Wolf and books on quantum mechanics. And what they're, what they're doing is being very educated. I'm glad you had that experience because I don't. Most of the people that I have known and I have checked out, I feel like the reincarnation of Houdini half the time but most of the psychics and channelers and mediums that i've checked out especially in southern california have shall we say not not weathered well with the test and they have uh, tried to uh, become very well this is the future i see it and that's it and everything and you know and they don't really get it so i'm glad to see there's another end of the spectrum but yes there is, there is a, there's always a, what we call a plastic future which i described in the back of, of the search for grace as it's in appendix a and what I'm saying here is that and this is not me but the quantum physicist saying that there are also so therefore somebody who wants to give a prophecy which is when you see shows like recently encounters on Fox and the ancient prophets on NBC when they showed about how the world is going to end or, or you're going to have major catastrophes in the next five years earth changes it's absolute garbage it's quoted by Casey and the Bible and Nostradamus and they're welcome to their opinion and that's a parallel frequency but it's not the one that I'm on folks and if you're on my frequency you're not, you know, you're going to be able to live in California without
0: swimming. All right, look, we've got to get to the telephones. On the toll free line, you're on the air with Dr. Bruce Goldberg. Hi. Hello there. Boy, ring, 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 and then they're not there. On the wild hard line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hello. Hi, uh,
7: this is Jim and Chico.
2: Listen to
4: KP. Yes, Jim. Uh,. Years ago, I had a encounter as a ghost. Uh, what are those exactly? Well, well the ghosts or poltergeists are actually astral bodies. They're, when, you, when you die or clinically cross into spirit, as the term that we use, you now become a less material form of a body that we call an astral body. So what you're getting are the different planes. In that astral dimension or astral plane, there are no physicals as we know. So now what you see is a body that actually represents the space-time continuum. That's right. what people call ghosts.
0: Doctor, um, while we're on the subject... Uh, of ghosts. I've, I've, got, uh, I've got some pictures of ghosts, uh, the doggonest thing I've ever seen. I, I consider them to be legitimate, mm-hmm. one partially materialized mm-hmm. and another of a group of people in period dress uh, taken recently, uh, uh, mostly materialized. Mm-hmm. They'll stand the hair on the back of your head up. Do you think that's possible? That oh
4: yes, as a matter of fact, uh, ghost, uh, uh, ghost photography was actually developed by such people as Hans Holzer about 30 years ago, and uh, I've known some people on the East Coast who do that. There's also something called electronic voice phenomena where you can have a regular tape recorder and go by a cemetery or even a, 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 an older house that's been around, say, for 50, 60 years, and you can actually get voices of people that, of ghosts or poltergeists that are actually living in that house. So this is a phenomenon that's very well documented. And in fact, um, uh, I've seen I, I've seen some of the photos. I, I, I know Hans I've seen some of the photos myself. And yes, they will raise the hair in the back of your neck. Yes. And they are. The, what's even more significant are the apparitions that are perceived. There's a woman who died in Chicago, by this uh, cemetery or by this, this large gated house, and she appears every so often next number of years. There are many stories of that. Many well documented uh, uh, also that have been documented by TV cameras as well as by by your Polaroid films, which you can't, you know, fudge real well if you know the UFO literature. That's right. Uh, I'm referring to Gulf Breeze and other cases. Uh, So, therefore, these are very impressive evidence. What's most impressive, though... All right, I
0: I am going to... Listen, Doctor, I'm going to get you copies of some very impressive photographs. Clear 35-millimeter photographs.
4: I would would absolutely love to see them.
0: All right, good. Uh, On the toll-free line, you're on the air with Dr. Bruce Goldberg. Where are you calling from, please?
8: I'm calling from Oregon.
0: Oregon, yes, sir.
8: Go ahead. Turn your radio off. Turn my radio off. Turn okay. your
0: radio off. It's yes. off. All right, go ahead. You're on the air. No, yes. uh, you're going to go ahead, sir. Or should I move on to another call?
8: No, I'm on. All right, go. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, I uh, my father died uh, soon after I had an opportunity to go to England, and my father. Uh, here to me. I did not dare open my eyes, uh-huh. but he was there and he said, you know, you've already been a nice guy, just take care of your mother. And I was, like I said, I,
4: I was afraid to open my eyes, but he was there. Was no, you I... very, were you very close with your father? Yes, because you see, this is, I'll tell you why I asked that, because a poltergeist or someone who's recently crossed into spirit will usually communicate only with one member of the family. Uh, they may communicate with others, but they usually pick the person they feel closest to to relay their last messages or their advice or their, their uh, the, the presence that they are going on to a, bigger, to a bigger place. And obviously he chose you rather than your mother. Uh, did she have this experience?
0: Uh, no, he's not
4: there now. He's not there. But no. probably didn't. So he probably chose him. So this is very common. People, you know, one of the things I deal with in my Los Angeles office here are bereavement issues. A lot of my uh, patients are middle-aged people who have teenage sons or daughters who, are, who either were killed or murdered or died by accident or parents or, or, uh, or loved ones, grandparents, uh, they, and they can't get over the bereavement, which has, has depression and many of the characteristics. Not only can they do that by by accessing them in their super conscious level, but they can also perceive future lives with them so that they...
0: So then is the plane kind of like jail where you're allowed to make one phone call?
4: well it's not quite you have more than one phone call and i wouldn't like to consider a jail which is a confinement it's sort of like a place and it's not a purgatory either i'm being
0: i'm being a little servant. i know,
4: but it, it but it, see, but 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 your, your listeners out there that they, they unfortunately they've been brainwashed to think of it as in, in forms of that and that's what i'm trying to clear up it's really a very uh open place where whatever you're dying from if you're suffering from a disease illness pain you are totally free from it. it's a very ethereal beautiful like a library in the sky if you will so, but the communication you'll find that these communications that people receive from these spirits, if you will, or poltergeists, are really quite positive and very beautiful. They're not like desperate. Uh, sometimes there is a difficulty in a traumatic death which has to be worked out. And in the, one of the techniques which I'd like to, to deal with more here is the idea of what we call a superconscious mind level, where the patient is trained to access their own higher self not only can they perceive their own past and future lives, but they can also access departed loved ones. They can access their own guides and and be instructed as to how they can help empower themselves and to go on with their life and to uh, accomplish goals and do many other things as well as seeing future events. Haven't
0: you ever wondered, though, doctor, whether it's something we really ought to be doing, uh, in other words, accessing this higher self, Uh, while we're here, is it something we're really intended to do, or or are we tampering with Mother Nature?
4: Well, here's here's the thing. You can't fool Mother Nature as the old Imperial commercial was. Uh, Basically, there's something called forbidden knowledge, which I know a lot of my colleagues don't like me to talk about because they don't seem to have this experience or they're afraid of it. But forbidden knowledge means that at a certain moment in time, if you're not supposed to know something, you don't. There's no way I can or the patient can, by accessing their higher self, receive information that's supervised by their own higher self, which is a perfect part of them and can't make a mistake on its worst day, uh, there's no way they'll get something unless they're ready to receive it. Most of the time they don't get the information they want because they're not ready for it. the other way around.
0: So in other words, uh, if we can do it, it's okay?
4: It's okay. Any information you're going to have, any kind of uh, negative entity, there's no possession possibilities. The only thing you can do is benefit and grow from it and uh, empower yourself and overcome the number one fear that people have which is resolved by this therapy, which is xenophobia, or the fear of death.
0: Alright, I think I've got it on the uh, wildcard line. You're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
8: Good evening, Art. Uh, Hi. Hello, Dr. Goldberg. Hi. What's California talking? What part of California? Uh, uh California. Okay, California. Uh, I'd like to know if you could explain this experience to me I had in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. We were sitting on a roof uh, watching the uh, eclipse of the moon, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just sort of gazing at the moon and the stars and everything. It was really beautiful, dark night, and I could see a lot. And uh, it was like, all of a sudden, I popped my head through a, almost like a rubber boot, and like popped my head through a hole in space or something. And uh, all of a sudden, I was looking down a 45 degree angle at uh, like shooting stars and cartwheels and. Just all kinds of fireworks and everything. You know, every, everything just changed. Alright, now, did you ever see the movie uh, 2001? Because yeah, the, I see that. Very, but ad, this you know, okay. was way before that.
4: Okay. Well, basically, the, the reason I'm, I mention that is because there was a scene at the very end, which is really what you're describing. What you did was an out of body experience. What you did was you were, while you were looking at this eclipse of the moon, you actually were entering into it and were in an alpha level, a natural daydream, which you go through through, as I mentioned, six to seven hours every day. Well, but you, you did something different, though. What you did was, and the moon is important, too, because the moon has a very strange effect upon us. Well, indeed.
8: I'm a cancer also, so that might happen.
4: Well, do that's very it. good. That's okay, The moon's your planet, and that's, that's, <sighs> that's a double influence. And the an Eclipse makes it like a quintennial influence,
8: okay? You know, I've done, I've had plenty of out of body experiences also, but this was, I was... In
4: so this was a very a deep and very significant one. State. This was one where you were actually doing some plane traveling. You probably were in a different dimension. You either could have gone to the mm-hmm. astral, mental, causal, or a plane, and therefore you weren't just doing an out of body experience on the earth plane.
9: Eyes opened up. They had a scalpel over me, ready to cut open my chest and do open open heart. You know, massage. What what happened during that that time that you were out? Now, very much like what you speak of, I my experience was of of a feeling of a cylinder of a color of a green blue. Into I went. I don't know. I was there in in an experience of multiples of the same kind of cylinders uh, with an obvious significant sole partner next to me, but not everyone had that. You see now what you were doing then, let me just interrupt you and this is beautiful because you see everybody's experience
4: is, is 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 personalized to whatever you expect. If you expect a cylinder, you get a cylinder. But
9: what these cylinders represent are the parallel frequencies of your future options. You see? Yeah, well that's what the time thing, see I I was aware of all things being forward and backwards was all the same. Time was time. Right. I mean, kinda of like in the song Amazing Grace when you live right. ten thousand years, sure. you have as many days as when you first began. Right. right. That was a very overwhelming feeling. And Art, you know, when he was explaining to you about the helicopter and trying to give you perspective on that yes. before and after. My perception of that and how I've tried to explain it to people since is if you were sitting in the in the middle of, of your bed or a vastness somewhere and you stacked all the books that you've ever read and all the books that you will ever read around you. And you could experience each one of those books completely as though the day you were reading them. And you could appreciate them all at one time. But that whole experience was just the ability to read.
0: That's a good analogy.
9: It's a very good analogy. In fact, Instead of using letters in a book, if you,
4: if you put that as energy itself and just absorbing the energy just like you would feel the rays of the sun then you really get the, the concept of a space-time continuum. Yeah, that
9: was just my simplest way to explain it to people, because I haven't told too many people because they think I'm a little screwy. Well, you know, I I very much appreciate your call for two reasons. One, is, one is it's a beautiful experience, and secondly, since
4: since you're from Missouri and you like to be shown, I appreciate your mentality behind this. Oh, I really is. <laughs> thank you very much, ma'am.
9: Okay, thanks. Right, bye-bye.
4: bye-bye. Uh, that was a good one too. That was a very good one. But I have something else to bring up too, just to show you where people are coming from. Because what he's describing is something that really is attainable. What I do when I work with my patients in, in Los Angeles here, what I do is I, I give them self-hypnotic tapes, so they can go into both past lives, future lives, superconscious mind taps. They can go to the soul plane area to uh, go in between the life to see how they choose their next life, to access their higher self. These are things that are attainable by the average person even without seeing someone like myself. So this is a very natural experience. And, uh, you know, it's something that they don't have to just be a specifically chosen person to do. Everybody can do this.
0: All right. Why don't we go ahead and tell them, how do, how, first of all, how do we get your book? How do we get your tapes?
4: Okay. The, the, the older book, Past Lives, Future Lies, is a Valentine book. It's available anywhere. Uh, it, and uh, the, the new book, The Search for Grace, is hot off the presses, so it might not be in the stores or the malls for a few weeks yet, but they can always contact one 800 Karma 4 u or 1-800-527-6248. And if you call my number, and that number will even be open tomorrow, uh, I'll be able to, I'll be happy to send you information about the various tapes, about the books. You can order the books directly from me if they're not in your bookstore, and you can get them autographed that way. And, uh, you can also get some more information. I'll be doing, uh, on October 1st in uh, Los Angeles, I'll be doing a workshop on taking people into future lives at the uh, at Marina del Rey, and I'll be happy to send them specific information about that and uh, an upcoming speaking engagement.
0: All right, like by that. the way, thank you very much for the autographed book. I've got one here. Search for Grace. Uh, the number is 1-800-527-6248, correct? Right.
4: Correct. And by the way, if you have a copy of the book in front of you, you notice there's two eyes looking at this woman from the early 1900s who's yes. supposed to symbolize grace. Yes. Those eyes are my baby blues from a nose those newspaper photos. Sir. Those are your eyes? Those are my eyes,
7: yes. <laughs> my <Mine, mine laughs> eyes have seen the grace, as they say.
4: Yeah,
0: that's fascinating. All right, on the toll free line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
7: Hi
3: there.
0: Where are you, sir?
3: I am in Phoenix. Phoenix, K-F-Y-I, yes. You betcha. First time we talked, I had rain on the roof <laughs> a long time ago. Dr. Goldberg, did yes. you happen to practice dentistry in the uh, in
4: University of Southern California at any time? No, I, I, I practiced dentistry in Baltimore for 13 years, and I moved out to Los Angeles in the early part of 1989, so I never practiced dentistry out here.
3: There was a wonderful Dr. Goldberg who gave me a root canal without anesthesia and we are
4: without anything. <laughs> well it was it wasn't me nor a relative of mine, but I'll tell you one thing, when I did dentistry for thirteen years I would use hypnosis on the majority of my patients. That was one of the my reputation. But about twenty five percent of the people that I work with in my practice then could go through root canals or surgery fillings. Uh, any kind of procedure and and not have any form of local anesthesia behind it. So, I
0: find that incredible. I've had root canals. I know root canals. I hate them. Oh my god! You can really do that, uh, doctor?
4: Oh, oh sure. Well, not, not. I'm retired now at a very young age. But uh, did you have a question, sir? Though about the about your experience?
3: Well, no. I just wanted to. I was hoping it was uh, the same, Doctor Goldberg. Oh. You know, we had no hypnosis either. Huh. But art. Uh, and I would like you to know, uh, as you probably know, that to. Uh, along with a different time span and all the experience, to know one woman well is to know all women.
0: Well, either that or uh, perhaps the other way around. Uh, It's my experience uh, that I know no woman uh, well. I I mean, you you know them and you love them, but I'm not sure you ever really understand the feminine mystique. Uh, Anyway, uh, back to the phones. On the first-time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
10: This is Jennifer from Joshua Tree, California. Hi, Jennifer. Um, I, I did miss the first part of the show, so I hope the questions I have haven't already been discussed. Um, but I wanted to ask Dr. Goldberg, when you're on the, the astral plane, is there any dangers? <laughs> oh,
4: yeah. That's, oh, no, very, that is, that a very is a good question. question. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, basically, you are when you're on the astral plane, you have what's called a silver cord. And um, there is no danger of you really dying. Uh, people in near-death experiences, the only time they actually die is, of course, when they medical for me- medical reasons will, trans- uh, will will expire. But when you're having a near-death experience naturally without being a- as-, as a result of a heart attack or something medical, you are perfectly safe. In fact, if you do it via tapes like the tapes I was talking about, there's always a white light protection on those tapes to help you to... Uh, just, just in case to give you additional uh, protection, if you will, just so that, you, that the experience is as pleasant as possible, there's never any danger, if, any, if anything, the only danger in life is not going through these experiences because then you deny yourself the access of your higher self. Hmm. Uh-huh. So you're perfectly safe, and like I say, the out-of-body experience tape is, is a very complicated one in the sense that you don't just play it once and all of a sudden you know go to Cleveland, but, um, it it, uh, it, it takes a little bit of conditioning, but it's a very beautiful experience, and it's one that, like I say, anyone can do. And, um, have you had some experiences that, uh, that, that, you, have you had out of bike experience that you can recall, Jennifer, that you're referring to?
10: No, no. Well, actually, there, there was one experience, and, and I don't know if you would call it an, an astral thing, but, um, did have one experience where I was doing some pretty heavy thinking, uh, mm-hmm. about nature and, and the earth, and I felt, uh, You know, I I had my eyes closed and I felt like I I had just zoomed away from the earth and and saw everything in kind of a, a different
4: way. Well that, that's what you, but that, that's what you're describing. what you're describing isn't it, that, that's one of the characteristics of a near-death experience. You, you may not have heard the earlier caller who was watching an eclipse on their on rooftop.
10: Yeah, I did hear that.
4: Well, that, he, was, oh, he was describing a more exotic one. one. He, his was more visual with the light and things like that, but basically the feeling of uh, a freedom of the physical body, a disorientation, a feeling of peace and serenity, a feeling of loving energy around you. This is what an an out-of-body experience is is characterized by. See, a near-death experience is only one kind of -of out-of-body experience.
0: All right, listen, uh, thank you very much. Doctor, I want to ask you, you know, I asked him at the time, did it scare you? And, you know, there are people who have been scared to death. I mean, if you've got a heart condition or something, and suddenly, like that man who called, your head pops into another dimension, it seems to me it could almost
4: scare you to death. But see, it doesn't. The, the, the hope, the, the proof of that is the fact that the near-death experience, the people who are being resuscitated from a cardiovascular episode, a myocardial infarction or others, they're the ones that come back. If it was so death-defying, they'd all be dead.
0: That's a good point. Uh, on the wild-card line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
4: Yes,
2: sir. Uh...
0: Where are you calling from, ma'am?
2: I'm calling from Salt Lake. My name's Barbara.
0: Salt Lake, okay.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to ask the doctor an uh, interesting question. Uh, is
9: it curling photography?
4: Yeah, curling photography was held by a Russian uh, uh, physicist in the early 40s. They, photogra- they uh, photographed the aura, right? Right, right. I was
2: wondering if the test was ever made on a person that was dying, and if they did photograph that, if the aura faded into the body... Uh-huh.
4: Or did it gather into a mass and rise above the body? Well, oh, a question, very the, problem, good question. the problem is that I don't know of any technology where they've had video cameras of Kirlian. It's always, it's always still photos. And uh, I don't know of, of any research of that being done. The only thing I know that's close to that is what I mentioned earlier, the McDougal research, where they weighed the body right when it, when it was expiring and there was a three-quarter of an ounce difference. Okay, right?
0: but surely they've done curlean photography of dead bodies.
4: Oh, oh, sure. I mean, curly photography of a dead animal or plant will show nothing. Nothing. Yeah, so that, that we know, but I, I just don't know of a time lapse situation where they've uh, you know, well, while the person or the plant or animal is dying doing that.
0: All right, all right. Thank you very much. On the first time line, you're on the air um, with Dr. Goldberg. Hi. Uh, yes,
5: this is uh, Robert from St. Louis.
0: Robert from St. Louis. Okay, Robert, speak up, good and loud for us.
5: All right. I had a story, and I wanted to know if he uh, ever heard of anybody else who uh, seen something like this. But when we were growing up, this was about 15 years ago. And uh, one of my brothers, or two of my brothers, they've seen uh, what we thought it to be a demon. Uh, One brother said that one night, uh, I guess he was about 13, he woke up uh, and he said it was standing at the foot of the bed. Mm -hmm. He said it was about 2.30 in the morning. And he said this thing was as tall as the room, probably eight and a half foot tall. He said it was standing probably eight feet away from him. He said it was so much darker than what you normally consider, you know, dark at night that you could see it like the lights were on. And he said it was dark as a pitch black. He said it was huge, muscular.
4: What did this, this, uh, let's call it the spirit, do, if anything?
5: It didn't do anything. But he said it stood there staring at it. He said it had uh, glowing black eyes. Mm -hmm. And he said that it stood there at the foot of his staring at it for about two hours. Yeah. And my older brother, you know, when my one brother told everybody... All
7: right, we're going to
0: have to hold it there. We're getting some weird kind of echo. Uh, with demons! Uh, well,
4: basically, I wouldn't call that a demon. Obviously, I understand where he gets the concept of demons, especially when he describes black eyes. However, uh, what it looks like is one of two things. It could have been simply an energy manifestation of... Remember, your mind creates your reality, so you can create anything you want. Second, if it's, assuming this wasn't a dream or hallucination, which doesn't seem to sound like it. The other thing it could be is it could be one of their own guides could be trying to communicate with them. You'll notice there was nothing threatening or physically negative done by this entity. Right. It was just there staring at
0: uh, so do, do people um, uh, perceive, I guess, as a result of their uh, environmental conditioning, uh, they might perceive it to be a demon or an angel or... Any number of things.
4: Right. I mean, see, to me, I don't even, like, for example, like, uh, the concept of angels is another one I have a problem with, in the sense that I'm not saying there aren't uh, spirit entities that are what you would call angels, but I, I wouldn't call them angels. I would call them masters or guides or a representation of your own superconscious. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I've never myself had a patient describe a winged entity with a chubby little cheek, uh, you know, floating around. Uh, but they do describe entities that are of energy forms, that are astral bodies or things that are even beyond that. And so, therefore, again, we can call them angels just like we can call past, present, and future isolated and, and think that's a reality. But, uh-huh. you know, it's just a matter of, uh, there's a lot of things out in the universe energy-wise that we don't label and aren't trained with in our normal educational aspect uh, that, uh, you know, we can also call different things.
0: All right. A lot of calls, little time. Uh, toll-free line. You're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
11: Hi. This is Benita Plymouth from Albuquerque.
0: Albuquerque. All right. Uh, welcome to the program.
11: Thank you. Um, when you, when you were listening to Linda at the beginning of the program, and yes, she was uh-huh. telling about the witnesses,
0: yes, uh-huh.
11: on my radio, I couldn't hear you at all. It was just beeping. And so we didn't get any of
1: that,
0: uh... Well, I'm sorry to hear any. it. I, I don't know what to tell you about that. We'll repeat the, uh, some portion.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you. Uh, too bad she missed that. First time caller... I, I, I
4: was going to ask
7: if she was missing any cattle. You
0: know. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
7: Hello. Hello. Uh, my name's Ron from Maury Island, uh, KVI country. Murray Island, alright. Uh, I'd like to tell doc- Dr. Goldberg an experience I had in 1976. Sure. Um, I was in Bisbee, Arizona, and this was late at night, around 11 o'clock, and I was on my way, uh, home. I was living in a teepee up in, uh, Zakataka's Canyon. Alright. There. And, um I looked up at the sky and noticed this, uh, it was a half moon and there was a mass of clouds blowing from the west towards the east, but it wouldn't pass the moon. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was quite unusual. So I kept staring at it, figuring something else was going to happen, and sure enough, one. Um, cloud man burst across the moon, leaving these gossamer trails behind, and then two more followed that. And I looked back into the cloud mass, and there was cookie-cutter shaped in the cloud mass. And and these three running cloud men, which I call them, just went across the moon and over to the east. And I was wondering if um, that had any... Well,
4: you know, what you're describing here sounds like more like an energy mist of experience, in other words, an energy form uh, that was uh, taking form. And when you say it didn't pass over the moon, that's kind of interesting because that's the way the energy would be. It would be something you could see through, whereas a cloud would actually block out the moon.
0: All right. uh, We'll have to hold it there. Thank you very much, caller. Doctor, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. We are ruled by the clock. We will break here and be back. With Dr. Bruce Goldberg. He's my guest. His latest book, The Search for Grace, was a CBS movie. I hope you caught it. If not, maybe in repeats. You're listening to the CBC Radio Network.
5: This is a pre recorded, previously broadcast program.
3: The Kingdom of Nye, toll free at 1-800-618-8255, 1-800-618-TALK, first time callers 702-727-1222, 702-727-1222, or use the wild card line at 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM on the CBC Radio Network. From an area just adjacent to Area 51,
0: the high desert. This is Dreamland. I'm Art Bell. And in a moment I've got a fax here for Dr. Goldberg that I find fascinating and I bet he will too. And we'll get back to him in just a moment. Do you have hard water? And now uh the facts that I wanted to read to Doctor Goldberg. Although I have been a meditator for over thirty years, I still have not been able to figure out recurring this recurring enigma. Perhaps you can shed some light on it for me. Before I go to sleep, my body stays on the bed and I go through my third eye and start shooting out into space where I'm traveling through millions of stars. I come to a clearing where it is light, where there is some sort of huge crystalline appearing structure. I go inside the structure and there are many of what I'll call high beings in there. It's like a meeting of some kind. I am then outside the structure. Don't remember what went on inside, although I know I've been inside. Then I return to my body and bed. Any ideas about this? Is my higher mind protecting me from something? And if it is, why would I go in the first place? From Diane in the San Diego area. Uh, Doc Oldberg. what about that?
4: Diane in the San Diego area, listen on Kogo. You have just described my entire practice and life's work what you've done is the third eye area is actually an energy chakra and what you've done is gone through that into an out-of-body experience all right what you are doing is traveling what used to be called astral projection or remote viewing now and then you've done a superconscious mind tap where you're accessing your own higher self then she's gone to the soul plane where you choose in between lives these higher beings she's referring to are actually her masters and guides what she's getting is forbidden knowledge which is why she can't remember it now and when she comes back into the body She's uh, perfectly safe, of course, but doesn't remember what she's not supposed to remember. But eventually, she will get that data when she is ready for it. I mean, this is beautiful. This is uh, I, I hope that you're listening to this, and I hope you give me a call sometime because I'd love to speak to you in person. This is a, this is a fantastic experience. And by the way, you can actually get this experience a lot easier, and you can actually get to the level where you can raise your energy so that you can recall this knowledge and information by using techniques like the out-of-body experience and soul plane ascension. So using the tapes would also help you to facilitate that. But that is absolutely beautiful and a complete summary and synopsis of everything I
7: represent.
0: All right, excellent. I thought that might fit in. From Joel on the low desert um, at uh, Knews, he would like to know, Do uh, among other things, do animals have souls?
4: Actually, animal psi, as we call it, is in the research, it goes back to Duke University for about 50 years or so. Animals have souls. The problem with that concept or the difficulty with that too old uh, Eastern concept is that animals do not, I repeat, do not reincarnate as humans. I have never, in 30,000 uh, past life regressions, ever regressed a gopher or anybody to a head of lettuce. So everybody, when, once you're, when you're human, you stay human. But animals do have their own uh, 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 souls. In fact, I've regressed people who have been or seen or contacted their departed animal, cat or dog, or others, that have been, in fact, in the process of reincarnating and can perceive some of their past lives.
0: I'll be darned. All right. Uh, One more quick one, then back to the telephones. Are all souls the same or... Are there alien souls? In other words, non-human being uh, entities that are encountered?
4: Well, technically, if you read uh, past lives, future lives, you'll see that all the when I regress people to the original, uh, the first uh, life on the Earth plane, uh, they usually describe themselves as what we call light people, which are extraterrestrial in origin. Therefore, technically, all of our souls and all of our basic makeup really has an extraterrestrial base to it.
0: Wow. All right. On the uh, wildcard line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
7: Hello. This is Fritz calling.
0: Yes, Fritz, from uh, Phoenix, I believe.
7: That's right. Last Friday night, a young man was killed by lightning here in Phoenix. We had a very heavy thunderstorm. Now, he was walking to his car when the lightning hit him. He had a tremendous fear of lightning... Uh, when a storm was announced, he would park his car very close to the exit door to, to minimize the distance. Yes. Now this man had a premonition that something was happening with, that the lightning will happen somewhere in his life. Explain this comic incident.
4: Well basically, if he had the premonition of it, I mean that's a progression. That's what, you know, people do with, with they, they can be trained to do in my office when I work with my patients. When they perceive their future, they can perceive actual, the choices and select it. Yes. If he perceived that and he decided, that that was his fate. Remember, you choose your death. He could have also perceived himself to be on a different parallel frequency where he has not died. Just because he got hit by lightning and died in this life, and I'm not trying to negate that or to dilute that, it's a serious event, but karmically it isn't because... He's living now on other parallel frequencies where maybe he is manifesting his true karmic purpose. So, in
0: other words, karmically, you could be struck by lightning many
4: times. Right. If it's Karmically, it's your time to go. It's your time to go. But remember, you only die on one or more parallel universes. There are others right now where he is still alive. Uh-huh. in this current life. just that It's a different dimension. Just like if um, if you're listening to the radio, and of course you don't do this when you're listening to art, but if you were to change the dial, you'd get a different channel coming in without moving the box just by changing the dial. It's a different frequency.
0: And, it's and so in. it is with the soul in life. All right. right? I, on the uh, toll-free line, you're on the air. Hi.
4: This is
2: that liberal in Memphis whose liberal ideas are as far up in space as
0: skies. Uh All right. Um, w- when people say that to you, Um, You're spaced out. It's ridiculous. um, How do you respond? I mean, after listening to all of this, if he is not uh, convinced or at least uh, curious and still regards it as spaced out comic book stuff, what do you say to somebody? What
9: I say
4: is basically, I I call what I do, this is my demographic technique. When the student is ready, the teacher will be there. If this gentleman wants to think of this as being uh, hogwash or whatever he wants to, he's not ready for it, and he's entitled to his opinion. I'm a First Amendment activist. However, eventually he will die in this life. He will reincarnate. And while he's in the soul plane, he will then, unfortunately, a little bit late to this life, realize the error of his ways.
0: So maybe, maybe if he's lucky in the next life, his call will be friendlier.
4: Or even more, even better. <laughs> maybe if he if he sees the light, he'll be he'll be a little bit more, uh, uh, shall we say, attuned in this life, and maybe kind of like open up a little bit more.
0: All right, on the uh, toll free line, you're on the air with Doctor Goldberg. Hi.
11: Hi. This is Joyce in Irvine, California.
0: Irvine. Yes, Joyce.
11: I'm having a good time listening to the show tonight. Um, I had attended one of Dr. Goldberg's seminars at the Whole Life Expo in Los Angeles a couple of years ago yeah. and he took the uh, group through a past life as well as a future life progression. And um, I didn't remember too much about the past life, but the future life progression had a profound effect on me and uh, just the information coming through was very clear, um, dates and he asked us to to get the date and to get our names and the situation that was occurring. And the um, the emotional impact, what what it brought up, applied to the situation that I was in in my present lifetime.
4: Did you also see the parallel uh, frequencies or the other options?
11: Well, you had us go through the five different frequencies,
4: mm-hmm. right?
11: And um, I did do that, and I picked the one that was the highest right. that right. I saw as the highest, right. and can't say that I've really seen a a big, Physical or mental change in this lifetime, um, just more of a spiritual shift in in attitude. See, that's that,
4: that's the point that, that uh, we, you, you say future lives. You really were referring to age progression in this life, I assume.
11: No, you had us go into like a future. No, I, I did,
4: but I mean, what you're referring to right now, in order to see a change in this life, in
11: this lifetime, right? If you're
4: perceiving a future life, then what you're focusing in on is really that future life. And yes, you can raise your, what you will manifest in this life will be a spiritual uplifting, but you won't necessarily know where you are because you're now focusing in on the future life, not the future of this life, you see? Right, right. But uh, but basically, the techniques that you learn there can be applied also if you want to specify to the current life. By using, I don't know if you if you got one of the age progression tapes or the, or the future life progression tapes. No, so, I just
11: attended that one seminar. Okay,
4: because the progression tape will actually guide you into the future of this life, or it's your choice the Going future life, to and future you can then life. actually lay out the future of this life, not just having to be patient and wait for a hundred or two hundred years from now to perceive the future. Actually,
11: life. it was about twelve hundred years in the future. Really. Well, you,
4: you, you're getting close to sequester, if you know what I mean. You know, the woman who was in the 36th century. Well, I listen, Joyce. That, that that. I really, I very much appreciate your call there, and. Um uh, for, your, uh, for your friends and any of your people, you know I'll, I'll be doing the Whole Life Expo in November. In you, I wanted to
11: ask you? Do you do like small group lectures or seminars?
4: Well, basically, I do the Learning Annex class, and I do I, I do occasional I, I go I, I I do those, but most of the time I don't because most of my time is spent with my full time practice here in Los Angeles. I really do that much uh, uh, public speaking. Is mean, I'm asked to do a lot, but I usually don't do that oh, much. Okay. But uh, occasionally, right. I will if uh, if the spirit moves me, and with people like you and your <laughs> attitude, that usually gets me to be moved a lot more than others, than most. Oh, okay. The,
0: all right, thank you. Uh, there's a big temptation for you. Um, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
2: This is Jody K.O.H. Reno. Hi, Jody. Hi, uh,
10: Dr. Goldberg. Yes, Jody.
2: Could memories of a past life be just memories of a progenitor or ancestor that have passed down through the DNA like
4: you know your, 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 your it's a very good question and i hear it a lot we call that the genetic lineage theory but let me tell you the problem here the problem with the genetic lineage theory is that number one ivy who is the grace who has graced those in her past life and this was documented by cbs was 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 not in any way related genetically to grace those in fact about less than one-half of one percent of any of the regressions have ever done has anybody ever stayed in the same family but more importantly from my undergraduate background in biochemistry the, the chromosome or DNA dies or is becomes dust when the physical body, there's no way that DNA can reincarnate because it actually and it's like having a cell die. This is actually t- deoxyribonucleic acid, but it's actually it's impossible for the chromosomes to survive death. It's well, but, but, but in,
5: in,
0: in a way it does, though. I mean, the DNA is the messenger, but the message survives.
4: What, what the message is really, what's surviving, though, is the energy. See, that's where the soul comes in. The soul is like the DNA, only the soul isn't DNA. The soul is electromagnetic radiation. Well, again, unless you're hung up on the term DNA... It's not, it's not DNA, it's the soul's energy that survives, that carries the messages, message as does the DNA in the physical body when, 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 when you go through fertilization and, and, and recreation of a species. But to understand, almost all of the regressions that I've ever done, I mean 99.5% have been of people of different family lines, which would destroy completely the concept of any genetics. I see. Okay, see? thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much for the call. On the toll-free line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
2: Yes, dr. Goldberg yes, um, if you are to be reincarnated, how come abortion is considered such a big issue in this
4: country if you 're just going to simply going to be reborn somewhere else? Abortion is considered a big issue. It has nothing to do with really a reincarnation it 's an issue because it 's an issue as is uh, as is gun control as is everything else in the world I can think of it 's simply an issue that has been based upon society's mentality uh, uh, religion has a lot to do with it you know there is a correlation between uh... You know, this country's belief which is only forty percent reincarnation and the theological systems which we do not like to believe in reincarnation even though it's a part of all religions because it conflicts with the self-interest of if you believe in reincarnation what do you need the church for you see, so it, it it's, it's simply be a political issue or it's a uh, it has nothing to do with the reality of the universe's function
0: it might be interesting though to ask um... Is abortion then, uh, doctor, just sort of another karmic uh, 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 another karmic trail I guess you, uh, you talk, See,
4: It's a good question. It's actually a karmic choice. If you let's say that you're about to reincarnate, you've already chosen a body. But now, of course, you would know this in the higher planes. which is why it's a little bit of a, of a moot argument. But let's say that, for example, that you, you, you chose a body and your mother decides to have an abortion three or four months in, 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 the, in the term.
0: It's kind of a karmic crap out, really. Yeah, uh, it's sort
4: of like, you know, you just go like, like aced out here, okay? So what happens? Well, the soul is energy. It will just simply say, okay, I can't be with that family now. You could always reincarnate the next time she has a, 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 a fetus that maybe isn't aborted. Or you could just choose a different family and just maybe wait a few years for a few decades. The soul cannot be destroyed. Once you create energy, you can't either lower it nor can you destroy it. It's there for eternity.
0: So then, in a lot of ways, uh, if you're trying to give an explanation from your point of view with regard to the legal dilemma on abortion, abortion wouldn't karmically... Be that great crime that a lot of people. No, can s- it's not a think. crime
4: at all from any k- comic perspective. What's, what's a crime is when people limit themselves and don't empower themselves, or become codependent, or become nothing but a follower a follower rather than a leader. That is the karmic crime because the purpose of being on the Earth plane is to raise the energy of the soul to perfection. Period. Spiritual growth is it is not accumulating no. Porsches. it's not accumulating stocks and bonds or becoming president of a corporation It's to grow spiritually and if you and the only way I know to grow spiritually is to associate with a higher energy which is your super conscious and to be able to be empowered in all aspects of your life and that is everything we describe when it comes to labels or or philosophies or debates or controversial issues those are not empowerment issues those are issues of Societal mentalities of trying to be controlled or to control others, and that purpose of spiritual growth is simply to be empowered.
0: All right. On the top line you're on the air with Doctor Goldberg. Hi.
10: Hi. I'd like I I have a question
4: for
0: all right. you. All right. Where are you calling from? Salt Lake. Salt Lake. You're all right. Yes.
10: Okay. I'm
4: here.
0: Turn Turn your radio off, ma'am.
1: It is. Okay. <laughs> I had Thank to get you. to it first. What's, what's your right. question, ma'am? Uh, I've had spirits in my house. I've had them for 23 years, and now they're gone. mm Hmm. They're just gone. Where'd they go? Uh,
4: are, you, are you going through bereavement now? with these Oh, no. Okay. Well, basically, I'm, I'm, they've gone because they've either solved or they've accomplished their mission, okay? And uh, and they've either they've either gone to, they've ascended, perhaps, or they uh-huh. simply just decide to. They no longer need to be around that place. It maybe had nothing to do with you.
1: Well, someone from the church was here, high up in the church, mm-hmm. and he was talking to me. He didn't know about this. Out of nowhere, he said, "You have spirits in your house," <laughs> and uh, he said that I'm a bridge for them.
0: Hmm? Well, maybe you they're did. Gone. Maybe you just did your job, ma'am, yeah. and they're gone.
4: You you, you you now are debridged.
0: Yeah, so celebrate it. <laughs> Thank you very much for the call. The yeah. wild card line. You're on the air with Doctor Goldberg. Hi.
4: Hi, Art. This is Jim in
2: St. Louis. Hi, Jim. Uh, Doctor Goldberg, thanks for coming on the show. First of all, Art, I'd like to, if I may, make one comment, uh, and then I had a couple of questions for your guest. Sure, go ahead. Um, the comment I'd like to make is, again, thanks for the show Friday night with John Lear. That sure. was the most intense show you've ever done, uh-huh. and it seems to fall in line with a lot of what uh, Dr. Goldberg's talking about, the soul being a universal thing that just carried simply by a uh, house, by uh, by people, whatever, extraterrestrials, he touched on that a little bit. That was most interesting. Uh, Okay, the the main questions I have for Dr. Goldberg. Uh, Dr. Goldberg, hey, how's it going?
4: It's going fine. And by the way, uh, John Lear is also an engineer, so it's nice to have scientists comment on this rather than some of the people that tend to comment on this.
2: Yes. Right. I, uh, I uh, I totally respect John Lear, and hearing him talk, I think, I believe, I may be one of the minority, but I believe totally that he seems to, he knows something that the rest of us don't know, but although I know that a lot of people think he's a total, uh, total quack. Anyway, do you have a question, question for me, for you,
0: Yeah, do you have a question?
2: Uh, yes, sir, I do. Go ahead. Uh, my questions are, you've been talking a little bit about um, uh, astral projections. How can I, with my girlfriend, sit down and for us to both go through this and, and to experiment? Well,
4: How very, very I, simple. What I would suggest you do is call one 800 and uh let me let me my office will be open tomorrow you can give me your full name and address and i'll be happy to send you a list of the tapes the one that you're looking for is the out of body experience tape this is a self-hypnotic tape that you and your girlfriend can use together or separately and it will it will train you and give you all the techniques to lift out have a very safe trip and come back to the body perfectly at ease with memories of what you've experienced and what we call now we call this actually remote viewing but uh, it's a very simple technique. I mean, it takes a little conditioning, but it's something that is perfectly safe, and you can do it by tape very simply.
0: And also, the cost of travel is very reasonable.
4: Sure. <laughs> They're having um, the, uh, there's really a, an air war going on right now with the out-of-body level. So it's, it's very cheap.
0: On the uh, toll-free line, you're on the air with Dr. Goldberg. Hi.
7: Hi. Uh, calling from Gilroy, California. Um, yes. yes, sir. I've done some research on the, um, the theory about the Druids and the Kundalini, uh, which is a Druid uh, belief of uh, uh, anti man or body that. Uh, the Kundalini <laughs> is an Eastern approach. It's not a Druid approach. It goes back
4: to the ancient Indians. I mean, we're talking like India Indians, many, 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 uh, like you know about. Yeah, it was about brought by ago. the
7: Aryans. Um, anyway, anyway, what I was calling about is that they uh, built, they, uh, that as they conquered the Chankras, they. Um, Built up a, uh, a sol- their solar body that was sort of depicted in the second volume of Martian Chronicles. Uh,
4: well, the, the, the Martian
7: Chronicles is a fiction thing, but yeah. uh, by
4: Ray Bradbury. Do you have a question that's based on nonfiction?
7: Yeah, we're very I sure on that. Uh, okay, the Candelini, the, the uh, you conquered the chakras. You don't conquer chakras. You chakras are anything vortexes. Body. You don't conquer um, them. You in, simply in,
4: have it.
0: All right, all right. Well, we're going to have to hold it there. He's going okay. on and on. Dr. Goldberg, we're out of time. Sure. Uh, it really has been a pleasure. Go ahead and give out one more Please. time the number.
4: Okay, the number is 1 800 527 6248. The books are Past Lives, Future Lives, which is a Ballantine book and is readily available and has been for six years. The new book, The Search for Grace, is published by InPrint Publishing. If you can't get it yet at your local bookstores or malls, you can get it through my office. You can get autographed copies as well as a listing of the various tapes that are involved. And to your Southern California people, I will be in in Marina del Rey on on Saturday, October 1st, and I'll be in uh, November 13th at the Hope Expo at the L.A. uh, Hilton.
0: All right, it is. Dr. Goldberg, what a pleasure. We will, of course, do it again. Surely. Thank you, million. Take care. Uh, Dr. Bruce Goldberg, and I'm sorry. Uh, as you know, we are very much ruled um, uh, ruled by the clock, and I've got to go. I've got to go. That's all the time there is. I'll just remind you, if you would like a copy of this program, I can imagine you would want to archive this. The number that you can dial right now is area code five zero three six six four seven nine six six. For the staff and management at the network, I'm Art Bell. Good night. This has been Dreamland, a program dedicated to an examination of areas in the human experience not easily nor neatly put in a box. Things seen at the edge of vision, awakening a part of the mind as yet not mapped. Yet things every bit as real as the air we breathe but don't see. Please join us again next week at this time for Dreamland.